your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It just flipped to 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carriker. Happy Friday. On this Gloria Friday, Michelle. Oh, Gloria Friday. I love that, Randy. We've got our Gloria shirts on, the blues with an elimination game tonight. We're bringing out Gloria. It's kind of like a like a five, not not even like a five-hour energy. This is kind of like a <laughs> shot of adrenaline for one day during these playoffs. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And we are providing desperate measures today by reinstating Gloria for one glorious day. Should we play the song at some point? We're going to, Okay, yes. great. I know we both have our Gloria shirts on. We're going to call it Gloria Friday. We're just mm-hmm. trying to channel some good vibes towards the St. Louis Blues as they face elimination tonight. And hopefully, uh, Gloria will help them not over, over overcome this challenge, but many more to come throughout the next few weeks, Randy. We want this to continue. Yeah. And Binner, Petro, Schwartzy, Schenner, uh, Ryan, we, we know you're listening on the app up in Edmonton. We appreciate that. You're downloading the, the free 101 ESPN app and, and listening live. And uh, obviously, you can always listen to all of our shows on the 101 ESPN app. But we don't need to wish you luck. We just say go get them because you don't need luck to beat Vancouver. You just go get them. Just play your game, foot on the gas the entire time. No naps this time. No. None. None. I, I was laughing because Binner, Shanner, you're going through all these hockey nicknames. And Ryan. Yeah. Uh, or uh, is it, he needs more of a hockey name. Oh right, oh right. That yeah. there you go. That's it. Oh right. Yeah. So yeah, we we're ready. We're ready for Blues hockey. We know that uh, we don't want to don't want to peak too soon because we do have a, a late start again tonight. It's allegedly eight thirty. It'll be later than that. But you want to pace yourself during the day and then just be ready. Uh, get the uh, hey buddy, we're still here at about eight thirty. We need to start watching that pregame because that last year, that Kelly Chase line at the end was, you want to talk about a shot of adrenaline, that would get you set. You were ready for hours. After being down 3-2 in this series, that's one thing that Colorado and and or Vegas don't want to hear is, hey, buddy, we're still here. Because they are still here. Yeah, and they're going to be. We need to send all the good vibes we can. I don't want this to end, Randy. It's been so fun to have Blues hockey back in any form or fashion. And it just feels like even though they're coming off a loss, that they're finding their stride. They have found more of their identity and more of their game. And it would be such a bummer for it to end. 
Yes, it would. We don't need any first-round knockouts. No, we don't. We don't. Meanwhile, as the Blues get ready to take on Vancouver tonight and continue the playoffs, the Cardinals are playing high drama at the ballpark back home after being away since July 26th. Last night, down during most of the game, down 3-0 early, down 4-2 in the late going, but they loaded the bases and ultimately won it. The 2-1 pitch to Wong. Wong with a fly ball, and this will do it. A drive into deep right field. Good night. Colton Wong walks it off. Dexter Fowler trotting to the plate. 5-4. to four. The Cardinals win it. A three-run ninth inning, Michelle. They were down 4-2 heading into the bottom of the ninth. Rysel Iglesias on the mound. You're thinking, okay, well, Cincinnati has one of the best closers in the league on the mound, and the Cardinals are in big trouble. But with Yachty back, showed some major resilience and took advantage of some Cincinnati mistakes, and that's what you have to do. We mentioned Gloria as a shot for the Blues. Do you think having Yachty return was a shot for the Cardinals? There is absolutely no doubt about it, especially getting a a hit in his first bat back. Of course. If, yeah, if you're not, if you need anything to rally around, not like this team does, they're just excited to not be stuck in a hotel room in Milwaukee. But having a leader like Yadi or Molina return is certainly a shot. But I was thinking about this last night, Randy. What if I told you in 2006 that Adam Wainwright and Yadi or Molina would still be the two faces of this franchise, dominant players on this team, setting the tone and and really instilling the culture of this team in 2020? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. 14 years later. 14 years later. And those guys that were on the field together and were put in an iconic video as the Cardinals won Game 7 against the Mets. That is pretty amazing. And, of course, Game 5 against the Tigers in the World Series. It is amazing that the moment against the Mets in the NLCS is actually more iconic than winning the World Championship. Oh, with Uncle Charlie? Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile... Mike Schilt got a kick out of it. The Cardinals found a way to win. An unusual walk-off, but a walk-off nonetheless. A different kind of walk-off. We'll take it. Uh, it was fun. The guys still enjoyed it. Still tasted good. Um, you know, different, but yeah, it was, uh, it was unique, but super fun still. And what made it unique is that Brad Miller was hit by a pitch to lead off the inning, then Tyler O'Neill walked, and then Dexter Fowler with a seeing-eye single into right, and then Yachty hits one right up the middle, goes off the glove of Iglesias, and he winds up getting an infield single out of it to score Miller. All of a sudden, it's a 4-3 game. And then a balk after Iglesias had the ball go off of his glove, and that ties the game. And then after Carlson struck out, the Reds brought Jones on to pitch and Wonger with the game-winning hit. So it wasn't like the Cardinals. They were kind of uh, pecking the Reds to death with, uh, it's like being pecked to death by ducks. Or a cardinal? Or a cardinal, yeah. (laughs) Right. Or the bird that they are. (laughs) They showed resiliency and they showed toughness and they came away with a victory. And Adam Wainwright, Michelle, set down the last 15 Reds hitters that he faced. He didn't have the opportunity to to run or pitch. Now, he did have the chance to work out at home. But he didn't have the opportunity to do baseball-related activities for a couple of weeks. He comes back, gives five innings on Saturday, and then seven innings last night. And in that outing on Saturday, we had talked about it when we came back about how he had championed, hey, I want the ball. And the return, Mike Schilt, give me the ball. I'm ready to go. He goes out there. He sets the tone for what this return from the outbreak is going to be. And then he comes out. It just kind of feels like he's like, I am the veteran here. I know what needs to be done. Give me the ball and get out of my way. 97 pitches for his seven innings, and he wanted more. 
I felt great. Um, the layoff, uh, last start, I mean, the, the layoff didn't really um, affect me. I worked really hard on my mindset for that game. But, you know, when I came out after six, I wasn't winded at all. Uh, I think that was just a testament of making sure I kept my arm going after being built up before that, you know. Um, but today, my my stuff, the first two or three innings was just really bad. I was uh, leaving it up in the zone and wasn't getting out over, getting that late finish on my breaking ball. I wasn't getting that late movement on my fastball or my cutter. But I certainly got better as I went. So uh, I came in today with uh, expectations to go nine. You know, I mean, that's that was my expectation. That is such wayno. It's a winner's mentality. <laughs> I came really in is. expecting to do whatever needs to be done. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. And not only that, but he did it in such striking fashion. After Mike Moustakis got the last Reds hit against Wayno in the third inning, as we mentioned, he set down 15 in a row. And after the base hit by Moustakis, the double to score Suarez for the Reds' last run, Wayno was asked, what happened after that? So I, after that at bat, after especially the start of the next inning, uh, I started trying to almost feel like I was aimed almost down uh, to try to get get on top of the ball better. And that's been a key for me the last few years to, that that's really worked. Um, you know, I don't know how much it actually looks different to the to the naked eye, but to me it feels drastically different, and it, it gives me a, a better driving the ball downhill kind of effect. Seven innings, six hits, four runs, two earned. The Cardinals get the victory, get back to 500. By the way, Seth Elledge with his first major league win. He pitched a scoreless inning, and the Cardinals win the opener of this homestand and break their loss against the Cubs after winning the opener of the doubleheader. How impressive was Yachty in his return, too? I mean, Amazing. This guy hasn't taken a bat since July 29th, Randy, 22 days ago, and he looks like he is fresh as a daisy. Yeah, he really doesn't appear to need any preparation to play anymore. He's one of those guys that is always ready. He's always conditioned. And he's played such a long time. He knows what the pitcher is trying to do to him. And just go out and take a little BP before the game or go down to a tunnel before the game. No need to go to Springfield or during the season to a minor league rehab. Then just go out and play. And he and Wayno are in such syncopato as a pitcher and a catcher. There's no doubt there that that's going to work out just fine. Yeah, with both of them, it seems like if their conditioning is right, which you know it's going to be, it's muscle memory. Yeah, it's remarkable how those two work together. And I mentioned yesterday, the game a few years ago, I think it was two years ago. It was one of the games where we thought Wayno was done when he the hardest pitch he threw all night was 82 miles an hour mm-hmm. and he still won and he had to go on the DL. <laughs> But, man, these last two years, he's been phenomenal. He really has. And watching that that game last night and watching them be so in sync with each other, it's such a joy to watch them. And I feel so grateful that they're both still here and that they're both still back. And you couldn't ask for two yeah. better guys than Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina to lead a team through a historic thing that this team just went through with this outbreak and already a, a, a crazy set of circumstances in 2020. But when you have guys like Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright who – come out they're prepared they know that they're going to get their job done no excuses made and they still say hey the expectations around us have not changed it's interesting michelle how here in st louis we can watch a game and we pay attention to players we pay attention to what happens in games and we can see little things a lot of nuance and that's one of the things about the sport being passed down in st louis from grandfathers to and grandmothers to 
uh, mothers and fathers to sons and daughters is that we actually watch the game. And one of the problems that baseball has encountered in the last five or six years is that there are people that are bigger fans of math than they are of baseball that have become influential in baseball. And some of them, they obviously don't watch or pay attention to the sport because there's people out there that say that Yadier Molina is not a Hall of Famer. But it's interesting when you watch and listen to the people that actually play the sport, whether it's somebody from another team, John Smoltz telling us last week Mm -hmm. he's a Hall of Famer, or Colton Wong last night. There is no doubt that the people in the sport that are baseball people, not just not math people, but baseball people, they agree, and Colton Wong agrees, that Yachty is a Hall of Famer. Colton Wong agrees that Yachty or Molina is a Hall of Famer. I promise, he does. <laughs> does, well. does he? <laughs> Crickets from Colton Wong. <laughs> okay, maybe Wong, he did say that. Yachty's absolutely amazing. I mean, this dude just literally came out of, you know, his uh, quarantine, and, you know, he gets a huge knock for us to drive in two runs. I mean... If that guy's not a Hall of Famer, I don't know who he is. You know, it's just one of those things where every time he steps on the field, man, it's just so fun to watch. But, you know, it's just good to get the guys back, get, you know, more guys starting to return. You know, we're going to need that in the stretch. That's Hall of Fame stuff that Yadi did last night. And he, that he does night in and night out right. when he's out there for the Cardinals. But I think what a, an amazing way to phrase that. If he's not a Hall of Famer, Randy, I don't know who is. Right. I really don't. And he here's a guy that Wonger does like baseball and pays attention to what's going on in the sport. And he sees a guy that hasn't played since the 28th, was it? The, the yeah. last game against... 29th. Min- 29th 22 against, days ago. Against Minnesota. Goes two for three with uh, three RBIs without having a rehab stint of any kind. And things like that aren't going to come up in a box score. No. When you're going to check his name on the ballot, it's not going to say, hey, also remember when he came back from a COVID outbreak for testing positive for COVID and he hasn't had a bat in 22 days and he has this great performance for his team or all of the little things that he does from a nuanced standpoint that are just intangibles that he brings to this team. Those don't come up on a stat sheet, math guys. So, yeah, uh, (laughs) math fans. First this is of all, an anti-math show. It's very difficult for us to relate to being a math fan. Totally. We aren't going to denigrate anybody because the world has to have accountants, right? Yeah. But Shout out to the mathletes, for yeah, real. Totally. But if you are a mathlete that is involved in baseball, please pay attention to the sport as well. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's a Friday. It's a Gloria Friday on 101 ESPN. (laughs) And we've got a new Friday game coming up. Think of your favorite thing this week in sports. And your well, it doesn't even have to be in sports. But think of your favorite thing this week. Maybe you're Ivan Barbashev and you had a baby or something like that. But your least (laughs) favorite thing in sports. Maybe your significant other left you. (laughs) What is... What's your peak for the week? What's your pit for the week? We're going to bring it to you, bring you ours next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A new Friday feature on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Michelle suggested this. I want you to give the, the genesis of this new feature that we have. So we were trying to think of something fun and new to do on a Friday, and Friday's the end of the week, and yesterday I was just thinking about this, 
Back in the day, Randy, remember traveling? Remember when he used to go on a trip? Oh, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Good times, good times. Uh, well, when I used to go I on- came back from a trip the day before everything got shut down. I, got, uh, or I went, came back from Arizona on March 10th. On March 11th, we went and got Katie from school. On March 12th, they shut everything down. Good timing by you. Yeah. <laughs> Made it back just in the nick of time. <laughs> um, but when I used to go on trips, Randy, back in the day- uh, at the end, usually you have a, fi- a final dinner or something that you're doing the night before you take off. And my friends and I used to always go to a dinner and I would make everyone go around the table and you say your peak and your pick, your pit, the highlight of the trip and the low of the trip. So I thought, why not do that on a Friday? The peak and the pit of the week. Just kind of close the book on the week, talk about the good and the bad, and then move forward into the weekend. I like that. Clean the slate, if you will. And it doesn't have to be sports. No, it does not. So there, there's a lot of things you can do. Life things. Maybe you got a new car during the week. I had a birthday. I had a great birthday dinner. Overall, I think from a uh, life perspective, that would be my my peak of the week. My pit of the week would be the way I played golf yesterday, not which right? was the pits. <laughs> was it the pits? It was the pits. But I'm going to go sports here, Michelle. I'm going to go for my peak overtime. Braden Chen scores the winner. I went to bed after the end of the third period, but my goal horn goes off at about one in the morning. My <laughs> app, my blues app, my goal horn goes off. So I get up to look at my phone and I I see that the blues scored. I knew that they had, but I see that it was Shenner that scored. And in a state of semi-consciousness, <laughs> I do a fist bump because the blues have come away with a victory. So did that's, you wake up your wife when you did that? I did not, no. Nice. I think I, think I might have done like under my breath. Yes. <laughs> But it wasn't loud or that audible. And then my pit of the week, interestingly, came from the blues as well. It was the seven minutes two nights ago. The, I, I'm ready to do another fist pump. I'm ready to or a fist pump. I, three one, game over. This is we're going to win five one. This is great. And I then, had I had typed out the tweet. The blues are all the way back. Yeah. They're all the way back. Yeah. Not so much. Not so much. Not so so much. yeah, the rest of that second period is my pit of the week. Oh, yeah. Coughing up 3-1 lead. That's, yeah. that's Not great. pretty deep of a pit. Yeah. Um, I, I do love, Randy, that you were half conscious fist pumping. And I'm sure you rolled over and had amazing hockey dreams. Yeah, I did. It was nice. great. Okay, Randy, my peak was Yadi and Rolina returning to the Cardinals. I am never going to take sports for granted ever again. I am never going to take Cardinal baseball specifically for granted ever again. Not only because we didn't know if there was going to be a baseball season because of all the nonsense between the owners and the MLBPA, the fighting. Once we finally got baseball back, then we have an outbreak amongst the Cardinals. We have a start and a stop twice. And to have Yadi or Molina, who's been such a joy to watch for so many people that are Cardinal fans for so many years come out last night and be able to do what he did. It's just another notch in the legend that is Jadier Molina. And I don't know how much longer he's going to be in a Cardinal uniform, but I'm going to savor every game that I get to watch he and Adam Wainwright together as Cardinals. That is my peak. Yeah, pretty awesome. It's great. Pretty awesome. Um, Which was good, Randy, that I got a peak yesterday because I also got a pit. So you and I had talked about this. I knew that I had some allergies. I've been suffering from allergies pretty bad for the past couple months, especially when we first started the show. Mm -hmm. It was terrible. I sounded awful. I was congested. I had gone to a doctor. I had gotten a COVID test because I didn't know what it was. The doctor said, no, this is allergies. You need to get this panel done to find out what you're allergic to. I'm like, all right. So yesterday was the day. I hate needles, but I had to endure a million 
pricks in my arm where they're trying to find out what I'm allergic to. They said, okay, your results are back. We're going to highlight everything you're allergic to. Randy was three pages worth of stuff. Three pages. Three pages worth of stuff. I'm allergic to basically everything. (laughs) So good times, good times. That was definitely the pit of yesterday. Yeah, that... Not great. All sorts of lifestyle changes but I'm going to have to make. Terrible. Can we give you like another semi-peak? Okay. You are not allergic, as far as we know, to dairy or wine, right? Not, not yet. I don't want to do the food allergy test, Randy, because that's information that I don't want to know. <laughs> All right. So we want to hear from you. Uh, I, I wonder if uh, Scotty had a, a peak or a pit of the week. Yeah, I think I would say, Randy, my peak of the week had to have been the Blues winning their first game in the series on that Sunday. That was a good thing. You know, to start off the week, you had a, you had a win, and then you had back-to-back games, so you're like, you're feeling good on Monday. It's like all of a sudden it's Tuesday, and the series is tied. So it's definitely the peak of my week. The pit of the week um, has to be the fact that I am coming to the realization that I'm probably going to be living in my mom's basement for at least another two months. Oh, yikes. So that's that's got to be the pit yeah, of the week. And yeah. I know my mom's probably listening. And the fact that it's a, the pit of the week is that there's just some drama that goes on around the house with living with the brother and the girlfriend oh, and the mom. Ooh, so ooh, full house. Yeah, exactly. This is a sitcom. We hey, got drama. Going on. Exactly. So just trying to uh, manage a bunch of personalities is... Uh, uh, not not easy. What's the basement setup like, though? Do you have your own entrance in and out? Do you have to go through the front and acknowledge everyone and then go down to the basement? So what's nice is the garage is connected to the basement. So I can just walk in the garage after uh park the car, and then I kind of have my own space down there. But the space is probably about, like, 250 square feet tops, like, with a storage room attached to it. And my room is about half the size of the studio with a bed in there. So there's just not a lot of room to maneuver. And then anytime you go upstairs, my brother's working from home. So I can't really do anything from the times of uh, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. without him yelling at me. Shout out to your mom, though, for having her kids and your girlfriend living in her house. Oh, she's the best. I'm sure she's thrilled. <laughs> yeah, I, I was apologizing to her yesterday saying, hey, I, I know I said I was going to be out September 1st, but it's not going to happen. I'm Parents sorry. are the best. Parents are the best. She is the best. All right. Uh, some text 65780. My peak was going to bed Wednesday with the Blues dominating and up 3-1, thinking the series is in the bag. My pit is waking up Thursday and checking the score. I'm sure that was so many people's pit because you probably fell asleep feeling so good, thinking, yes, this is going to happen. And then you wake up on Thursday morning, you probably had a push notification with the Blues scoring it. And you're like, what? Are you kidding me? And that's a terrible thing to see yep. when you first wake up your first open your eyes and first wake up so, on a Thursday. Maybe this is the play. This from the six three six. The peak was getting hammered Monday, watching the Blues <laughs> win. Low was working through hangover the following oh. day. But that's a gamer. It's it is kind of a it can be a pit though. Working hungover is definitely a pit. Yeah. We can't. I can't ever do that anymore, though. Not with these hours. Oh, I, I would have to call out sick, Randy. I would have to. I don't know what the play would be there if I just woke up. Because imagine, imagine trying to get up this early and talk for three hours if you were hungover. Oh my! It's an impossible feat. I think there's people that probably pull it off. Oh. They probably have a cure. There is a cure for the common hangover, is there not? Oh, I have Some a tomato a, juice or something. No, 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 Randy. This is the cure. Ten out of ten would recommend. You get an Italian sub, extra vinegar, salt and vinegar chips, and this is the key. Key, Randy. You have to get a fountain root beer over ice. Five in the morning? That's what I'm saying. I can't do it at five in the morning. (laughs) 
But that is the that is the without fail. This will work. Hangover cure. Ten out of ten. Ten Doctors out of ten. Recommend. Actually, someone texted into the show a couple weeks ago saying they were hungover. I texted back saying, "I got you. Don't worry." They texted back the next day saying, "Thank you. You saved me." <laughs> so, Doctor Smallman here for all your hangover cures. From the six three six, I slept through the Blues game. Usually a pit. In this case, a peak. Didn't watch after period one. <laughs> Yeah, pretty good. A uh, couple of other ones. Uh, Peak was a, a nooner and a nightcap on Monday with a Blues win. Pitt was the Blues loss on Wednesday. The Peak far outweighed the Pitt, though. That's good. Yeah. And by the way, we're getting a lot of uh, love for Ski Ski's here great. on Character and Smallman. Uh, from the 618, Ski is the drink to cure hangovers. It probably really is just your soda of choice because of the carbonation, the sweetness, the sugar, all the things that you need to counteract the salt and the chips. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the bread and the meat, Randy, as your base, as your foundation to soak everything up. But yeah, I'm sure I prefer root beer because it's never failed me. Never, not once failed me. So you, you got you to gotta ride the hot hand. You sound like a veteran, too. <laughs> Ranty, I was a sorority girl, okay? <laughs> I'm going to have to try that, Michelle. I've never had a successful hangover cure. Every single time, it's just, oh my gosh, I'm never going to drink again, okay? No. And I'm tr- as I'm trying to fall asleep again, and then I feel like death. This will work. And if you're feeling really, really bad, throw a chocolate chip cookie in there. Because right. you're going to need yep. something after you wake up from that post-sub nap. All right. Hey, thanks for your input on Peak and Pit. We'll do this every Friday here on 101 ESPN. And thanks for joining us on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up next, how can a Stanley Cup champion not be confident? Well, apparently they aren't. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Blue! Hockey tonight, 7.30 pregame, 8.30 faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Game six between the Blues and the Canucks. An elimination game for St. Louis, who lost game five, four to three the other night to the Canucks. The Blues took 39 shots at Jacob Markstrom. They were only able to get three past him. He made some sensational saves. And, Michelle, it was interesting after the game. Craig Berube was concerned about the confidence of his club because of the greatness of Markstrom. You know, uh, Markstrom outcompeted us on some plays, I thought. We had goals, and, you know, he was out, down, and out, but we didn't elevate it, and we didn't put it in. You know, those those saves rally a team. They they give them confidence, and they demoralize, you know, the, our team. You know, we got to bear down on them. we got to put them in. I'm a little bit surprised that with everything the Blues have been through, they won Game 7 last year against Dallas when Ben Bishop made 52 saves. I'm surprised that he would say that they got demoralized. I, I was too, and Markstrom certainly was an X-factor, not only on the ice, but if he's getting in their heads in any way, that's the ultimate X-factor because this is a team that isn't rattled by anything. And if he's in their heads at the end of Game 5, why should we think that he wouldn't be in their heads at the beginning of Game 6? They they are able to kind of turn the page and start fresh, but 
the more that we go through this, I, I constantly am balancing what I know to be true about this team from pre-shutdown to what might have changed since then. Some things have not changed, but so much has changed. And they're in this completely new environment. I was reading something last night about some of the players talking about how difficult it's been for them to live in the bubble, mm-hmm. how it's not exactly what they what it looks like from the outside. And it's wearing on a lot of guys. And I wonder if those factors, those little nuances that they're dealing with, on a day-to-day basis has allowed something like their confidence to be rattled in any way, shape, or form. You don't have your family. You don't have these outside factors. You don't have the crowd to to lift you up right. when you uh, maybe give up a two-goal lead in a game. Mm-hmm. So I just there's, there's a lot working against them, but I'm still surprised that they would be demoralized. And if we go back to last year's playoffs, obviously number 91 makes a difference. But Pat Maroon made a difference, too. Pat Maroon was a guy that just didn't get demoralized, even after game five against Dallas, when they were going to Dallas. He texted somebody, said, we're going to win. We're going to win the series. No problem at all. He wasn't worried at all. He knew how good the team was, and he wasn't affected by the setbacks. No. And not only was he not affected, he's going to skate over to the other bench and say, you guys are bleeped. Right. When the Bulls are down. Yeah. Um... But remember last season, I believe it might have been after the hand pass game, but it was after a really tough loss for the Blues. And uh, their essential quote that they were saying to the media is, there's no quitting here. You know, there's no, I'm paraphrasing, we're not demoralized by anything Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. So for Chief to come out and say something like that, I wonder if it's a message to his team in some way. It might be. What does he hope to see tonight? Oh, in game six, we've been there before. We know how to win these games and how to play them. We just got to go and do play our game. Like, it doesn't change game to game, our game. It's, we get pucks deep and we go to work and we grind teams down, and that's what we've got to do. I felt like they were a little bit quicker than us last night. Uh, I didn't think we moved the puck quick enough in the game. Um, so I'd like, you know, we got to move the puck quicker when we're moving the puck quick, advancing it through the neutral zone, getting it in the offensive zone and getting after it. That's our game. So that's what I want to see right away in this game six. And he used the term grind them down. Mm-hmm. The Blues certainly didn't grind them down after getting the 3-1 lead the other night. They kind of backed off a little bit and allowed Vancouver to get back in the game by not maintaining the offensive puck possession that's key to the Blues' success. And... If the Blues get a lead, that's what they have to do. If they uh, And obviously, if they don't get a lead tonight and lose the game, they're coming home. But what they need to do is get the lead and then do what the Blues have done ever since Ken Hitchcock was their head coach. The plan is, the way this team is built, is to get a lead, be big, and get the puck into the offensive zone and just pound the opposition into submission. It also wouldn't hurt to have a brick wall performance by your goalie. That'd be nice. Have your goalie steal one. Yeah, and I have to believe... And we don't get that word. Is Bennington officially starting tonight? No, we don't have the official word yet. Come on, Baruby. We know. We'll tell you. It's official. From here, at least, Jordan Bennington is starting tonight. It's official from Randy Carricker. Bolton just out. Yeah. Ivan Barbashev came back, and of course, he had missed the first part of this playoff series against Vancouver because his wife had a baby, but... He was a huge part of what the Blues did last year in terms of grinding the opposition down. And he said what they did last year will come in handy this year. We've been there last year, you know. Uh, the one thing we just got to do, we just got to go uh, out there and play. I don't think we're, we're panicking or, or something because, you know, we've been there. It's uh, it just we've got to go out there and do our job and uh, play as a team, you know. Uh, just 
which is can give them some kind of advantage like we did last game and uh, in the end of the second period when uh, we gave up three uh, three goals so uh, we just gotta stick to the plan and uh, do our job yeah keep your nose to the grindstone that's blues hockey and keep playing don't let up that there have been multiple times during this the pod in Edmonton during the time the Blues have been in the bubble. Heck, they had three straight games where they blew a lead heading into the third period. They haven't kept playing. And that's the hallmark of the Blues is they have to keep playing when they have the lead. I feel more confident in this team coming off of that loss than I did the first two because they beat themselves in that game. It's not a guy like Horvat that you have to find an answer to. They found an answer to a lot of the things that the Canucks are throwing at them, but they need to, as Barbie said, stick to the plan. And if you're beating yourself, I think you have a much better chance of rebounding and sticking to the plan for the entire game. It was interesting listening to NHL Network yesterday about how the perception around the league is that Colorado and Vegas are rooting so hard for Vancouver and Calgary because they don't want anything to do with the Blues, or to an extent Dallas, because Dallas is capable of winning a series. But the team that nobody wants to play is the Blues. They almost feel like a sleeping giant at this point. They're kind of waking up and stretching. You know, they're still a little groggy. They're not fully awake. But once Mm -hmm. they hit their stride, I would be afraid of them if I was any other team. And getting Barbashev back on that fourth line is going to be monstrous. And they know how to play. We talk about Vladimir Tarasenko, and he is important because he's a really key, he was a key component last year, and he's one of the great playoff scorers ever, not just now, but in the history of the league. But the Blues also have proven to themselves that they can win a lot of games without Vladimir Tarasenko. When you look at some of the components that are missing out on the ice from last year to this year, what do you think is affecting this team the most? Is it the absence of a Jay Bowmeister? Is it a Pat Maroon? Is it a Vladimir Tarasenko? Steen's not in the mix. What do you think they're re- – is it a combination of all of that? For me, number 19 not being there has played a huge role. Those goals that the Blues have given up late in games and the lack of quality penalty kill early in this series are directly attributable to him not being there. I think that's the biggest factor. Now, are there other factors? Yes. They aren't getting to the net nearly as much. Not only is Vladdy 220 pounds, but you don't have Maroon, who was their net front presence guy. So you're missing him. And Steen, just like Barbashev, that Sunquist-Steen-Barbashev line may not have been the best line for the Blues last year during the playoffs. It was at times, but it was definitely the most important. And not having Steen or Barbashev on that line, and sometimes Sunquist, because they moved him up into a top six role, those all are playing key roles. It is. I, I certainly miss Pat Maroon. The more that this thing goes on, you do miss that big body, the big rig in front of the net. And as we mentioned at the top of this thing, you miss that that personality presence that he brought. That, hey, you're not going to mess with us. We are coming at you with everything we have mentality. The Blues series against Vancouver is one of only two left in the first round that is not completed. Philadelphia in the East, the number one seed leads Montreal three games to two. As you know, Vegas has won. They eliminated Chicago four games to one. Colorado did the same to Arizona, four games to one. Dallas with a win last night over Calgary, and Dallas advances with their uh, victory over the Flames, and they win that series four games to two. Meanwhile, in the Eastern Conference, Boston, as you know, advances with a 4-1 win over Carolina. The Islanders eliminated Washington, and Washington did not have a good playoff, and the Islanders move on with a 4-1 series win, and Tampa Bay advanced 
over Columbus with a 4-1 series victory as well. So the Blues tonight will continue one of the two remaining first-round series. Do you think they know it's Gloria Friday, the Blues? Yeah, they do now. Okay, we good. told them on social media, and they're listening. So, okay. yeah. It is Gloria Friday. Michelle and Randy wearing our Gloria shirts. Later on in the show, you will hear the song Gloria from Laura Branigan. She will not be singing the anthem at tonight's game because she has left to this earth. She yeah. capitulated. She bit the dust. <laughs> Capitulate it. She did. Yeah. So it she, happens to all of us. She's blessing them from above. Yeah. She's yeah, she's six feet under, but looking down. It's an interesting conundrum. I wonder if she is six feet under. Maybe she's in a vase somewhere. That could be. I don't know. Maybe she's uh, in an ocean somewhere. Where is Laura Brown again? Things we need answers to. (laughs) We do. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service sex line, 65780. It'll be time for Take It or Leave It. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We invite your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. You can also send us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature with that free 101 ESPN app. It is Gloria Friday, and in addition to being Gloria Friday, it's also Peak or Pit Friday. <laughs> we want to hear what your highlight, what your peak was of the week, and what your pit was of the week. For example, this one from the 314, the peak watching the Blues play dominant hockey in game four. The pit took my boat for service two weeks ago because it wouldn't start and learned it was because it was out of gas. (laughs) That is a pit. Oh, that is a pit. Something that you don't want to hear. You probably still have to pay for the service charges, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, you need gas in the tank. Because they, they still probably looked around and tried to figure out what was wrong with it until they realized it was on E. Here's the problem. So you probably had to pay for their time. Yeah. So before you take your vehicle in for service, make sure that it has gas in the tank. Hot tip from us. Yeah. Otherwise, it might wind up being your pit of the week. Michelle, the president of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Travis Williams, tested positive for COVID-19. The Mets have had games postponed now because of of several positive tests take it or leave it at least one more major league team will miss a week of this season because of positive COVID-19 tests I'll take it I think I'm going to too I don't want to take it but I'm gonna take it it just seems so pervasive right there's just so many opportunities to get it and Mm -hmm. the Cardinals still they they did contact tracing they don't know exactly how it got in They, they have a pretty good idea but Going, if you're a Met player and you go to a deli in New York, you can get it from somebody else that's in line. And if you wind up with a bunch, of, just one person that gets on the plane, as we saw with the Cardinals, you can take down a whole team. Yeah, I certainly hope that doesn't happen. But I, I also wonder, Randy, if as this goes on and you don't see another outbreak, if guys will start to loosen up a little bit. If they'll think, oh, we're okay, you know, we only have X number of games left. This hasn't affected us to Mm -hmm. this point. I can go out or do this or do that, and I'll be all right. I can see that happening. That's going to happen in society, isn't it? That's not just baseball. Exactly. We're all going to loosen up a little bit, and hopefully it'll go away miraculously. (laughs) Miraculously. Um, Take it or leave it, Randy. Jordan Bennington gets the nod for the Blues tonight, and he has a 2019 playoff Jordan Biddington type performance. Taking it 
not only is he good, but he's going to be ultra-focused because he doesn't want to be the backup anymore. He doesn't want to spend any more time on that bench. That I, I imagine he was seething inside. I would have to think so. I'm yeah. sure that he respects Chief and he appreciates his teammate and Jake Allen, but this is an ultimate competitor. Jordan Bennington is a guy that has a lot of confidence in himself and that knows what he's capable of. And the Blues haven't found their game yet in some right. of those those losses that he was in net for. And there were some breakdowns on the ice in front of him. And I'm sure that there were, were there things that he wants back? Absolutely. But I'm sure he's looking at the Blues kind of getting in that rhythm and thinking, okay, put me back in there. I'm ready to go. Time for your text, 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. Scotty Menziara, what do you got? This one comes from the 636. Take it or leave it. The compressed Cardinals schedule is perfect for Yachty, Wayno, and the rest of the team. I am going to take it for those guys. My only real question is, do you have enough pitchers to be able to get through that schedule with all the doubleheaders that they have in September? I'm going to take it for Yachty and Wayno. And I think Wonger, too. And maybe a Matt Carpenter. Because mm-hmm. um, let's preserve those guys as much as we possibly can. But I'm going to leave it for a lot of these young players that you still have questions on. Because this condensed season isn't going to necessarily give you the amount of time needed to have a pretty good feel of who they are or what you want to do. You can get some sort of a sense, but it's not going to give you the full sample size that you might need to make a decision about your future. All right, guys, we've had a lot of success talking about some food on this show lately, and this one comes from the 314, and I think it's a little bit of a hot take, but it is take it or leave it. Coffee and donut is the best food beverage combo there is. Not just breakfast combo, food combo. Mm, Peace and beer. Pasta and wine. I mean, I I don't know. Wings and beer? Nachos and beer? (laughs) (laughs) Coffee's and and donuts elite. I'm not a coffee person. You're not a beer person either, so I just threw a lot at you that you're not really interested then. But I... I think if I were a beer person, I think the opportunity to coffee and donut is a morning thing. Pizza and beer, wings and beer, that's more of a party thing. So I, I would think that the the alcoholic beverage is probably going to make more people happier. You know what I miss so badly is sitting in a seat at a stadium, eating a hot dog and drinking a Bud Light in a cup for that was on tap. Wouldn't that be great? I just miss it so much. When you watch the games on TV, it's a, it's an enjoyable view, viewing experience. I've gotten very used to watching it, but I have not gotten used to not going down to the ballpark and not being able to say, hey, it's a day game. After the show, we should go sit in the outfield and we'll eat a hot dog and we'll drink a beer. Maybe we'll get, when we'll get crazy, Randy, get some pulled pork nachos as well. Ooh. You know, I miss stuff like that. Yeah. By the way, if you are a coffee drinker, from just a breakfast perspective, the coffee and donut or the milk and donut is a, an exceptionally strong play. See, I'm not concerned about the coffee in that equation. It's the donut. I have to be in a very specific mood to want to eat a donut. Really? Yeah, it's an immediate sugar rush, and I know oh. I'm going to crash afterwards, mm-hmm. but they're delicious. Yeah, especially from Schnooks. That's right. We got a couple of responses here. Oreos and milk, steak and red wine, even just cereal and milk. Oh, yeah, oh, cereal and milk. Cereal <laughs> and milk. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
All right, this one comes from the 314. Take it or leave it. All of the new MLB rules are gone except for the universal DH by the next CBA agreement. Leave it. I think that the seven inning no or seven inning doubleheader is here to stay. I hope so. People love it. I love it. But I've been seeing so many people on social media weighing in saying how much they're enjoying it. And our texture is right. This, the universal DH will be here. I believe that Rob Manfred, as long as he's commissioner, will maintain that three batter minimum. What other new ones are we missing? There's another one that we're missing. Oh, um. Starting on second, right? Yeah, um, in the extra yeah. innings. I think I could see that one going away. I could too. But I think this will change baseball. I think what we're seeing now this season is going to change baseball. And by the way, if you want to include expanded playoffs as a rules change, I think the expanded playoffs are here to stay too. After watching that walk-off last night and the uh, socially distanced kind of celebration that the Cardinals had from the 636, take it or leave it, the 2020 Cards team has a chance to be one of your favorites. Sure it does, yeah, because of what they've had to endure. Mm-hmm. And they do seem like a pretty fun group. I would say, yeah, they they have that chance. Just from a personality standpoint, probably not from the journey of the season standpoint, but just from, hey, remember when that group of guys did that? That part of it has a chance to be special. And... I love the way you phrased that because we're going to have to say that group of guys because there's nowhere we're going to be able to remember all of the players that the Cardinals have used this season. No, I definitely think that it has a chance to be one of those teams we always remember. Now, will it have the same level of affection that the 2011 team did or the 2006 team? Probably not. And those teams won. But even those, what, what year was it that they came back versus the Nationals 2015? 12. 12. Okay. Yeah, all those years run together for me, honestly. But... You had Happy Flight. You had you had all sorts of fun things and fun personalities. Mm-hmm. Right. Those Memphis Mafia guys were there. I, the only thing that I think is working in kind of a negative way against this team from a personality standpoint is that you don't have the typical media coverage that you would get. Right. It's harder to get access to these guys and tell their stories. You're only getting bits and pieces of them on a Zoom call or when they are... Get, you know, when reporters are given access to them. Maybe if they come on a radio show or something. Huh. <laughs> Not hers, Mandy. I'm just saying on a radio show. But it's it's more difficult, I think, to talk about them and their experiences. And they're going through crazy experiences when you don't have access to them in the way that you used to. This one from the 314. Take it or leave it. You'd buy a ticket to a seven-inning game. Or do you get uh, the tickets to both games? You get tickets to both games. In the old days, a doubleheader, you bought one. It was two for the price of one. You bought one ticket and you got tickets for both games. And that's the way that this will have to work. Because... If they want to have the extended playoffs, which obviously they do, they're going to have to at some point either move the season back into really cold March or they're going to have to condense the season by having each team play like four, six doubleheaders a year. That would be a hot ticket to get. What a fun day that would be. Yeah, just do a Saturday or Sunday doubleheader with two seven-inning games, two for the price of one. And what you could do, what I've always thought would be a great idea is have each team in a division host a division rival for a doubleheader once a year. So you play eight doubleheaders. The Cardinals would play Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Cincinnati at home mm-hmm. doubleheaders and on the road and make them all on the weekends. That sounds super fun. Randy, look at you. Solving problems. Trying to be a marketing guy for MLB. You're welcome, Mr. Manfred. Thank Thanks. you, Scotty. Thank you, Randy.
Coming up next as we roll on with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN on this Peak or Pit Gloria Friday. We're wearing our glorious shirts. Uh, Michelle has play Gloria. I have Gloria, Gloria, don't, don't I? Gloria, Gloria. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> pulling it out of the mothballs just for one day. This is kind of like an adrenaline shot for the Blues for this one day. We aren't going to overdo this. This is going to be a rare occurrence that you pull... Pull, pull Gloria out to put Gloria to use. But today is an important day for it. It's an elimination game. And when the the situation gets like this, you got to pull out what you know has worked. Dire circumstances call for dire actions. There you go. So that's what we're doing. Do the Cardinals need to balance winning and the fact that they're trying to get a look at their prospects? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's 8.04, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. And Michelle will start this segment with the admission, the knowledge that the Cardinals, with the fact that they're playing, I believe, seven doubleheaders in September, they have no choice but to play their prospects because there are just too many innings to play the same team day after day after day in September. Yeah, and if you've already made the move, why not play them and see what you can do? And you certainly are going to need some some bodies in there. But as, as specifically to these young guys, I think if you started the clock, get them the reps. Uh, I, I agree with that. But my, my point is, is that because of the fact that you have a doubleheader on September 5th, September 8th, September 10th, September 14th, September 16th, September 18th, September 25th. You just can't drive your players into the ground, especially when they'll just be rounding into form at that point. Mm -hmm. You can't use your veteran players that much with all those doubleheaders. My point is, is that Dylan Carlson might be an outlier here, but in terms of seeing Lane Thomas, in terms of seeing Edmundo Sosa when he comes back to try to give DeYoung a little time off, now you have Brad Miller, maybe he'll play some shortstop. I don't think the Cardinals are in a position where they can say, okay, we're in it to win it this year, so we're only going to play our veteran players. I don't think they have any choice but to play their kids with the way the schedule stacks up. Yeah, so you think the schedule made the decision for them. Right. The COVID made the decision for them. If they were playing a regular 60-game schedule, they had never had COVID. I don't think we ever see Dylan Carlson. No, it seemed like it was trending that he was not going to be called up if it wasn't absolutely necessary. They had to do the breaking case of emergency release lever saying, hey, look at how many how many people we're missing here. We need to bring him up. And a guy like Oviedo. Do we see right. Oviedo come up? No, probably not. So the, the question becomes, and the Cardinals always wrestle with this, and we mentioned yesterday, since 1918, the Cardinals have finished in last place in their division one time. That's incredible. John Mosellock has never had a losing season as Cardinal General Manager or Pobo. He became the general manager in 2008. It's 2020, and he's never had a losing season. The Cardinals have done a really good job of bringing up and infusing young players into their lineup while still competing on a regular basis. This year, they had to start the prospect clock for a guy like Dylan Carlson, and that's something that they probably didn't want to do, but they did. I love the consistency with Dylan. I just sees the game, takes it as it comes, 
Um, he's taking good at bats from both sides of the plate. You know, the the, the numbers are, are the what they are, but the bats are, are way better than the numbers dictate. He's hit, you know, six, seven balls right on the screws of people. Um, he's got awareness of what he's doing, how he's doing it, why he's doing it. Um, he's just going about it in a really good manner, even keel, playing the game, playing the game right. And he's hungry to hungry to play and hungry to learn to get better every day. And it's just a, and he's got the skill set. It's just a nice combination, good player. And that was part of our discussion yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's and it's part of watching games. You you can see the one forty eight, but he's hitting the ball hard. And it's right. It's like what Mark McGuire told us about David Freeze, right? That the numbers aren't there. And actually, he wasn't even hitting the ball hard, but. You can see it right on the edge. And the only way that a guy like Carlson is going to reach his peak is by getting an opportunity to play. When Willie Mays started off his career, there were a lot of people around the Giants that wanted to send him, after he went 0 for 26, I believe, to start his career, people wanted to send Willie Mays down. It's a pretty good thing that they didn't because he wound up being a pretty good player. You have to give young players an opportunity. Yeah, and from a development standpoint, that's the only way that he's going to get better, as you mentioned. But when Schultz said there that he's hungry to play and he's hungry to learn, think about all the obstacles that this team is dealing with. And if this kid is somebody that you truly believe is going to be someone that's going to develop into a cornerstone of your franchise, not only on the field, but in a leadership position, how valuable is it for him not only to be getting these major league at bats, but to be seeing how a team goes through tough times and seeing guys like Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina and Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Carpenter, Colton Wong, these veteran guys and how they're handling this situation. This is stuff that's going to benefit him way down the road. And he's going to have the ability, Michelle, to play in 55 games. My concern was why waste a year by bringing him up in September and only playing him 30 games. Mm -hmm. What I wanted him to have was the ability to get as much major league on field time as possible. And he'll get that opportunity. It's not a bad thing that the Cardinals brought him up this year. There's, there's no negative to him getting the opportunity. And I, I don't expect the Cardinals to go to the world series. I don't expect the Cardinals to win a series in the playoffs. But if he can get the opportunity to get those at-bats during the regular season this year, the Cardinals will be much better off heading into 2021. And their target should be 2021. It'd be wonderful to win in 2020. It'd be great. It'd be a surprise, but it'd be great. But the Cardinals should be targeting becoming a dominant team in 2021. Take it or leave it, Randy. By the time the Cardinals are done playing baseball in 2020, you will have seen flashes of what Dylan Carlson is going to become. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, This experience is going to be so huge for him because he's been through a spring training now. He'll know exactly what to expect heading into spring training next year. He's been through seeing major league pitchers. He'll get the thrill of a Cardinal opening day, hopefully next year, with the fans in the stands. But being around this club and understanding what it takes to hit major league pitching on a daily basis can do nothing but benefit him. And all these kids that they've brought up, I wouldn't be surprised to see Johan Oviedo be a big part of the Cardinals in 2021 either. Yeah, he looked really impressive. Uh, Randy, question for you because you're kind of the authority on this. Scott the Cop wants to know, is it too soon to give Dylan Carlson a nickname? He says DC3 sounds like a good fit. Not too soon because he's a prospect. And I think DC3 is a good way to start, yeah. Okay. 
You heard it here first. Yeah, we'll give that one to Danny Mac and see if that one can get some traction during the course of the weekend against okay. Cincinnati. If you got something better, go ahead. By the way, uh, Lane Thomas expected to be cleared to play. He could return as early as tomorrow. And so he'll get at-bats. You'll get the opportunity to see more of Tyler O'Neill in left. So the Cardinals will get that chance to evaluate those players. I think we'll learn a lot about what the Cardinals' hopes are for 2020 and how serious they are about winning in 2020. I think Brad Miller is going to be a big part of that. He's a guy that's 30 years old. He's been around. And if you see more than less of Miller, I believe that means the Cardinals are trying really hard to win. Because he's been such a spark for you. You Right. He'll be one of your. He's not a guy that you need to evaluate. He's a guy you plug in and play. For sure. So. Hopefully that'll be the case that the Cardinals will try to win and at the same time get an opportunity to look at their young players. So if Lane Thomas comes back and he starts getting reps, who then is the odd man out? I would think that he could get chances at DH. I could see Edmund probably taking a seat now and then. I could see Carpenter taking a seat now and then. And certainly Bader is, uh, he's probably already going to see limited time. And they'll, they'll probably, with all the doubleheaders, they'll probably give Tyler O'Neill some days off in left field, too. So I think there will be plenty of at-bats for those guys to go around. Tony always provided enough at-bats for four outfielders. And, the, the pro- and now that you have the DH, I think there will be enough at-bats for those guys to go around and stay sharp. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. This is 101 ESPN. Coming up. The Blues with Game 6 tonight on Gloria Friday here on 101 ESPN. We're going to talk to Blues analyst Joey Vitale. We're going to ask him about almond flour next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's always a pleasure to welcome our fellow Leo Joe Vitale into the program via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joey is with us in the Blues booth. Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. Joey, I don't know if you're aware of this. We know that you celebrated a birthday yesterday, belated happy birthday. How was it? Randy, it was, it was fantastic. It was a day built around the kids doing everything, which has its pluses, but uh, they also make all the food, so it also has its minuses. That's fantastic, and we want to get to the food. But did you know that Michelle's birthday is August thirteenth, and I'm the nineteenth? Gosh, now you guys make me feel terrible. I'm sorry I didn't wish you a happy birthday. No, no worries <laughs> about it. It's tough a tough start to the day. Yeah, but uh, we we want to wish you a, a belated happy. How did the kids do with the food? Do you know what? I tell you what, they did really well. They did really. The, the sweets were they were a little tough to get down. You know, the one thing was that my my daughter made candied bacon, which was my favorite mm. thing in the whole wide world, which is good. But the cake was, um, it was pretty, it was the opposite of the carrot cake. The food, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm having, a little, I'm having some digestion problems today. Let's just leave it at that. So, Joey, we know that you're an expert baker, so I need to get your take on this. For Randy's birthday, I baked him some cupcakes, and I was doing it late during the Blues game. It was my way of staying up to watch the game. And I pulled them out of the oven, Joey, and the inside had sunken in. And I'm thinking, that is not the way that this is supposed to look. And then I realized I had used almond flour instead of regular Ooh. flour. Do you big think mistake. that's... Can you explain why that was a big mistake? Well, almond flour doesn't have really any gluten in it. It comes from a nut, right? 
So you need more wheat. Wheat, wheat's where the gluten's at. Like for bread and everything, you use hard red winter wheat, which has a, a high gluten. Like like bread flour, you see at the grocery store, it's about a thirteen percent protein content, and then all purpose hangs around eleven. So for bread, they want you want high protein because the protein is essentially your gluten. So whenever you want gluten, you want you want to use bread flour, all purpose flour. That's why cupcakes are made with either cake flour or all-purpose flour because your know, cake flour runs around 8 to 9%. So what does gluten do? Gluten basically is a web, right? It's going to be, think of it like when water meets flour, that's when the proteins are hydrated and it creates gluten. Now, gluten, when it's hydrated, it creates like this kind of like saran wrap kind of um, film. And all this matrix of gluten uh, cre- is created within the, the dough, now, why is that important? It's important because with, when you have that saran wrap kind of gluten matrix, that does what? It traps air. Now, when you don't have gluten, like almond flour, coconut flour, things like that don't have any gluten in it, what happens to the air? The air just breaks right through that saran seal, and it doesn't allow any air to contain within the dough, so it evaporates through the top, which makes everything kind of collapse. So it sounds to me like that obviously there are people out there that require a gluten-free diet, but it sounds like gluten-free sucks. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not going to say any bread sucks, Randy, but you know, I've I it, it's very, listen, bread is it's very hard to do gluten-free and I've tried the pasta, you know, the one the one of the big the big crazes right now is to do pasta with like zucchini noodles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that. Oh, oh yeah. my! I just I, I can't do it. I just I just can't do it. It's it's just not the same. All right, let's talk some hockey. Game six tonight. The Blues have been here before. They're talking about how that they have been there, but this team hasn't been there. It's different when you go into a game six or seven. As far as I'm concerned, Joey, when you have Patrick Maroon, when you have Jay Bowmeister, when you have Vladimir Tarasenko. So it's not the same team. But does the experience these individuals have benefit them heading into tonight? You know, that's an, that's an interesting point because for a while there, everyone, the kind of the dialogue was, well, this team's been here before, right? So they know how to handle this. They were in Dallas last year doing all this stuff. But you're right. It, it is a very, it is a very different looking team. And it didn't seem like it was supposed to be this way because when this year started, really you, you lose Pat Maroon and Joel Edmondson. You've only really lost two players, but you kind of fast forward a whole year. Vladimir Tarasenko's out. You lose Jay Bowmeister, right? I mean, those are two big pieces right there. Yeah, you still don't have the Pat Maroon, but look at this, like, look at this fourth line. I mean, Jacob Delarose is on the back end there. Jordan Cairo's in the lineup as well. So players are kind of shuffled everywhere. So I, I almost would say that experience from last year, I don't know how, how really valuable it is at this point because of just the different makeup of this team. I will say that I think the coaching staff has that experience as far as how they're going to prepare their team for it. The message to get across is going to be very important. Uh, but aside from that, guys, I really just think this is just going to be a, a good old-fashioned hockey game and the best, may, may the best men win. Joey, who do you expect to see between the pipes tonight for the Blues? And if it's Jordan Bennington, do you think we're going to see a vintage Bennington performance? I think it's going to be Jordan. You know, I've kind of gone back and forth about this a little bit. We, we should hear pretty soon about who he's going to go with. You know, you, you can look at this two different ways, obviously. You know, who has been the better goaltender in this series? How much have you done for me lately? Kind of mentality. And you got to go with Jay Gallon. His numbers are better. I think that he's got a better read on these shooters. Uh, Jordan Bennington, Bo Horvat, those kind of players, it seemed they, they really had Jordan Bennington's number there in the, in the first couple of games. They kind of had him figured out. So 
So who's been better in the series? You got to go with Jake Allen. So in that respect, yeah, it could be Jake. But, I mean, again, I just always try to put myself in the coach's shoes. And if I was Craig Berube, what would I do? And if I'm a coach, right, and I always go back to this, if you're going to end up losing this game tonight, would you rather lose knowing you had your backup in Jake Allen, who's, no disrespect, has been very good, but it's still your backup, or do you want to go with your guy? Would you rather sleep at night knowing that, you know what, we went with our head guy, it just didn't work out, it wasn't the cards for us this year. So that, to me, is why I think they'll go with Jordan Bennington, but the other part of that is if he does get in here tonight, which I think we will, you know, you have a Jordan Bennington who uh, is, has, you know, he wears his pride on his sleeve and he's been sat for two games. I mean, put yourself in his shoes for a minute. You know, you come into this, this season or come into last year, you win a cup with this team. You take this team to the first and the West. You're their guy the whole time. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's a little bit of an ego hit, right? It's a little, little humble pie. Mm-hmm. You have two bad games and they yank you, right? It's not a good feeling guys, but it's also the business, especially the goaltending position. Right. So he's probably sitting on the bench, all kinds of fired up that, Hey, you know, you've been, I've done all this stuff for you. And I have two bad games on a couple of week goals. And you're just going to toss me like that. So I think that he's pretty fired up. So if you're a head coach, you got to look at it that way too. Like, how is he, how is he going to respond if we throw him in here this game tonight? And I think if they do, he's going to be all kinds of fired up. I think he's going to have a great performance. Joey, there's a reason that only one team wins every year and there are good and bad teams. Can you explain what happens in a situation, because it does happen to every team, but what happens in a situation like what happened at the in the last few minutes of the second period of Game 5? What happens to a team when they get a 3-1 lead and everything just falls apart? You know, they call it quicksand You know, in a lot of sports, especially in hockey. And, and the idea is, you know, if you guys don't know, quicksand, you know, if you ever get caught in quicksand, which I never have, but apparently if you get caught in quicksand, the harder you work to get out of it, the further you sink, right? And it's that feeling that you know things aren't going well, and you know you got to go out there and do something to turn it around, and you work so hard and try to do everything you can in your power individually to turn the tide and turn the momentum, but the harder you work, the seem like it just the further you're going to fall, and almost to the point where it's just not meant to be. It's a very crushing feeling, and you really get that feeling a lot. The stem of it, for me, a lot for this Blues team, is when they uh, sometimes a goaltender will let in a weak goal. Like, look at this Bertanen goal. I, you know, they have a three-to-one game. And they have all those saves on one end with Markstrom. People were saying, oh, that's, you know, if they didn't take advantage of that, you, you don't capitalize on those, those chances, that's when the tide turned. To me, it didn't. You still got a two-goal lead. Yes, Thomas missed one. Yes, De La Rose missed one. Yes, Perron could have had one. But you're still okay. You still got a two-goal lead. To me, that it really shifted when Bertain had scored from the goal line. And you know what? It, it's, it's unfortunate because Jake has been so awesome. And it's very hard to be critical of that goal because he really got the Blues back into the series. But at the same time, here you are on the bench, and you're feeling good, and it looks like the game's going to go, and the series is turning, and that weak goal kind of goes in. And all of a sudden, the Vancouver bench feels like, oh, my God, we got a little bit of life. we got a very fortunate break. And on the flip side, on the Blues bench, it's a terrible feeling. Again, you're like, wow, how did that one go in? Then you start thinking, oh, boy. You start second-guessing yourself. But, again, you want to step over the boards and make an impact in the game. But the harder you work and the more you go, it just seems like the timing's off and nothing's right. Not a very fortunate feeling, and unfortunately for the Blues there, uh, that was a, a pivotal point in this series. It could go the wrong way, uh, but yeah, they have a lot of work to do starting tonight. 
Joy, I saw a tweet from Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. I believe it was a member of the Dallas Stars who had this quote, but he was talking about the bubble and bubble living. He said, people don't understand how hard it is living in this bubble. This bubble living is not what you think it is. And I know the Blues are professionals. I know they are never going to make any sort of excuses. And I know that they're a tough team. But I don't know if you've talked to anybody or maybe get some sort of sense that bubble life might be wearing on some of these players, not only with the Blues, just throughout the NHL. Oh, it has, without question. I mean, listen, I talked to a bunch of the players, and it, it I guess let's put it this way. Uh, if, once you buy it, when you buy a new, uh, used car and they kind of promise you all these things at times, you think this car is going to be great, and then a couple weeks go in and you're like, oh, this, this car is starting to make noises, or the engine light's on, or oh, you gotta, maybe you got to bring it back in for this. You start running into some problems. Uh, I think that's kind of how players are looking at the Edmonton bubble. I mean, you're in this hotel they have this concrete area with a basketball hoop and some lawn chairs. And but guys, that's really about it. There, there's really no grass. There's no fields. There's no trails. There's nowhere for them to get outside. Uh, you know, Toronto's got a little bit different. They have a football field next to them, but they haven't gone on any golf excursions. They haven't gone on any fishing trips. I think that was kind of, that was tossed to these players early on. And, and, and I think players are kind of, they're, they're a little bit upset because they feel like it was kind of, they were kind of lured in by these promises. Uh, but at the same time, from what I understand from the league is once they get these numbers down a little bit more, things will open up for those things to get out of the bubble a little bit. I think they were concerned that we still have a lot of teams here. And if we start doing this with all the teams, like the worst thing, the worst thing that can happen is that we have an outbreak, right? So that's what they're really trying to protect for. But at the same time, uh, these players are going through a lot. And, you know, you talk to them on game days. I ask them how you're doing, what are you up to today? And they just, they say nothing, just nothing. We're just going to take a nap, eat a couple of meals and just hang out. And, and that's it. I mean, that's all they've been doing all day, every day. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad to think about it. And I think that a lot of fans need to understand that, that not only these players, you know, are obviously playing the sport they love, but it's a big sacrifice for them. You know, they're, they are for better or worse, very kind of sad some days and probably some degree of depressed on, on some days you miss your family, you miss your wife. I mean, imagine being away from your kids this long and being stuck in the hotel room and, and not being able to leave. I'm not going to call it prison because it's not prison by any means, but it's, it's, it's a sacrifice. And I think, I think fans do need to understand that. And finally, Joey, before we let you go, if the blues win tonight and then can win a game seven, they'd get Vegas. Not that it would have been easy the other way because they would have had Colorado in another series, but whoever you get in the next round, and it would be Vegas for the blues, they will have their hands really full because those teams are both playing great this i was talking to chris kerr about this the other day and you know you assume that you know this is before we knew we had vegas but we we assume we had vegas okay so you have to go through vancouver which has been a tough first round matchup as we've all seen then you're gonna have to go through vegas and then you're probably gonna have to go through colorado because i think colorado is gonna be dallas right so look at that run guys for for example i mean compare that to last year you know, no disrespect to the teams last year, but Winnipeg was, I think, just to get into the cup final. Because mm-hmm. then you had Dallas, which was, it gave us our problems, but San Jose wasn't all that bad. I mean, Winnipeg, Dallas, and San Jose, and then compare that this year to Vancouver, Colorado, and Vegas, if it, if it shakes up this way. This road's going to be very tough. This is probably a much tougher road to the Stanley Cup than it was last year. And I think that that's some good perspective to keep in mind with the amount of just quality teams that are still left in this tournament that have survived to this point and then are playing exceptional hockey. So if the Blues can figure out a way to get past Vancouver, which I think they will, I think they're going to win tonight, and I think they have the upper hand in this series, especially with Edler, I think, going to be out. And I think that they have a better five-on-five structured team. I do think they're going to get the good goaltending. I do think they're going to get out of the series. But at that point, if they do, 
it's not like it's going to be, you know, rainbows and butterflies all the way to the finals anymore. I mean, these have got very, very difficult opponents with the Vegas Golden Knights. They are humming on all cylinders. And speaking of humming on all cylinders, Colorado Avalanche, they're literally an avalanche. They are just exploding right now. So it's going to be a very, very difficult road. Uh, we're both wearing glorious shirts today. We're going to play the song later. We pulled it out of moth- mothballs. You cool with it just for one day, an energy shot? Love it, love it, love it. All right. Joey, have a great day. Belated happy birthday. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Randy. You got it. See you later. That is the great Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Before I even got the words almond flour out of my mouth, oh, he was already going, big mistake. Big yep. mistake. Huge. Yep. Huge mistake. So, now we learned about gluten, too. Did you have any idea? I did not believe it to Joey to be able to explain gluten in such an entertaining and effective way. Joey is curious about everything. And that what's, that's what makes him so fun. He, he's curious literally about everything. And he wants to know, and then he goes and learns about it. It's pretty cool. Coming up, we've got The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to character and small men in the red corner average joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive please welcome randy character all right welcome back to character and small men on this friday it's gloria friday we've done a little peek in a pit our highs and our lows from the week. It's 8.37 already. Shoot, we better get to the fight. Let's welcome in our challenger today. Jeff is with us. Good morning, Jeff. Morning, Michelle. How you doing, Jeff? How's your Friday been so far? So far, so good. Looking and- forward to uh, some sports on Friday. Cardinals, Blues. Jeff, you think the Blues are going to walk away with a victory tonight? Yes, I do. And why? Well, they always respond to adversity. Uh, last year proved that. And uh, I think tonight's going to be no different. I hear no lies detected, Jeff. I'm with you. All right, let's get this fight going. Question number one. Last night was the NBA draft lottery. Who was the last number one overall pick from the SEC? Was it Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, or Devin Booker? I'm going to go with A. Okay, uh, question number two for you, Jeff. Yachty has made his return to the lineup last night for the Cardinals. How many gold gloves does he have? Is it seven, eight, or nine? He has nine. All right, Jeff. Question number three. What year did Adam Wainwright get the call up in September and make his debut with the St. Louis Cardinals? 2004, 2005, or 2006? Uh, I'm going to say 2004. And your final question, Jeff. What year did Dylan Carlson get drafted in round one? Was it 2016, 2017, or 2018? Uh, I'm going to go with 18. Okay, checking score here. Randy is coming in. Is he? (laughs) What's he doing out there? It's like that's three days in a row. Ryder is really just distracting (laughs) him. My goodness. Randy, what are you doing out there? Socializing? I am. (laughs) (laughs) what am i late no 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 no. i just i try to flag Ryder down and he he Ryder and i were talking about serious stuff ah he's he's out in the hallway so he can't hear what's going on for those listening randy say good morning to jeff hey jeff how you doing fine randy so uh we have a parkway north connection scotty tells me 
We do. My father was a longtime educator and coach at Parkway North. I remember, and, uh, I remember him being the baseball coach. You are correct. I remember him cutting me. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, sorry to hear that. That's okay. I couldn't hit the curveball. I deserved it. Uh-oh, Jeff. Your dad gave Randy some bulletin uh, board material dad, for this fight. <laughs> dad, dad, his dad's a great coach and a, and a great educator. So, hey, th- we appreciate you being with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Okay, Randy, question number one. Last night was the NBA draft lottery. Who was the last number one overall pick from the SEC? Last number one pick from the SEC. Um, okay. This is a good one. I think uh, just because I don't want to go through the whole SEC, I'm just going to do the lifeline. Was it Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, or Devin Booker? Okay, De- Devin Booker was not first overall. Ben Simmons was LSU and went after Carl Anthony Towns. So I will go with uh, Ben Simmons. Question number two for you, Randy. Yachty made his return to the lineup last night for the St. Louis Cardinals. How many gold gloves does he have in his career? I believe he has nine. Randy, what year did Adam Wainwright get the call up in September and make his debut with the St. Louis Cardinals? September of 2005. And your final question, Randy. What year did Dylan Carlson get drafted in round one? Dylan Carlson drafted in round one. Was that 2000? Let's see. Well, he's 21. So I will say that it was 2017. We've got a winner. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Sorry, Jeff. Randy walks away with the W. He beat you three to one. Let's run through the answers. The last number one overall pick in the NBA from the SEC was Ben Simmons. He went to LSU, go Tigers. Um, <laughs> Yadier Molina has nine gold gloves in his career. Adam Wainwright got the call up in September of 2005, and he made his debut at the St. Louis Cardinals. And Dylan Carlson got drafted in round one of the 2016 draft. 16. 16. Jeff, thanks for playing. Hey, thanks for having me. Guys, have a great weekend. You too. Blues. Yeah, absolutely. That's Thank right. you, Let's Jeff. Jeff with us on 101 ESPN. And Randy, Jeff thinks the Blues are going to win tonight. I like the optimism. I think they're going to win, too. We're wearing our glorious shirts coming up at 930. We're going to play the song, Gloria. We know the Blues are listening so that they can get fired up about it. They're listening in the bubble. As Joey Vitale said, when he asks them what they're doing in the morning, they say nothing. Well, there's one thing they can do, and that's listen to 101 ESPN. Follow us on social media, at M. Smallman on both Instagram and Twitter, at RJ Carricker on Instagram, or Randy Carricker on Twitter. And, of course, all of our different 101 ESPN platforms, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, 101ESPN.com. We know they're all over it, and they're listening because they want to have a connection to St. Louis, because they want to have a connection to the best fans in hockey, which reside right here. Yeah, they're listening in on the app. They're like, hey, it's free. I can stream it from the bubble. I'm having my morning coffee. Probably getting some stretching in, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Taking it easy, relaxing in their rooms before they have to get ready as a team. Definitely streaming. So, you know what? Be like the Blues and listen to Carriker and Smallman on the 101 ESPN app. Thanks for joining us for the fight. Uh, St. Louis City FC has a new sporting director. His name is Lutz Fonnensteel. And Lutz joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
It is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carriker, and we're all excited in St. Louis about STL City SC, our MLS team that's going to start play in 2023, has a name and now a sporting director. Lutz Fonensteel is the guy in charge, and he joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Lutz, thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning, and welcome to St. Louis. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm doing very fine, and good morning to you. Lutz, have you been able to get around St. Louis at all and experience the city? I know we're in a pandemic, so it's a little different, but what has your welcome to St. Louis been like? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of like doing my own onboarding a little bit, of course, also with the guys from the club to, to get to know the city a little bit better. So we were driving around a lot, also looking at some of the sports facilities in general, and uh, kind of like, uh, yeah, I would say has a combination of, of, of getting to know uh, my new home for the next few years, as well as uh, trying to see already how we can uh, work in the next few months, which, as you said, the pandemic doesn't make it easy, but there is always a way to find solutions. Lutz, how did it come about that you wound up with the job as the sporting director of this franchise? Well, you know, I decided in uh, March to, to leave my, my position by then in, in Düsseldorf. I wanted to have something different. And for me, it was clear that I would like to go abroad again. Uh, some, some new challenges. I was like for 10 years in the Bundesliga. Um, I had some options in England and in Italy. But uh, once I spoke here to the ownership, uh, I just realized that it's, uh, for me, one of the most exciting projects all over the world, but also one of the most special ones because... Uh, yeah, it's not really a, a very common thing that you can start a club from scratch. Uh, there is basically right here, uh, we, there is nothing. So we have to build it. Uh, it's a blank piece of paper. And that alone was very, very attractive for me because, I mean, I, I'm in football all my life. And I made all over the world lots of experiences. I've tried to put my ideas also uh, together with the ownership and build here. In a city or in a region where, where soccer is very important, you know, I don't, in Europe, many people don't really know that, but I realized it very fast that uh, soccer here is a, is a very big thing. So I think uh, that was one of the main reasons why I said, yeah, uh, the MLS is an upcoming league, but uh, I wouldn't really have gone right now into the MLS. But for St. Louis, it's a, it's a different kind of thing. So that's why I'm really happy to be here. Lutz, you're right. It is a blank slate. You do get to start this thing from scratch. So what's your approach or philosophy going to be as you build this franchise? Well, I think the most important thing is if you're having that uh, that, that football culture and football community here, well, let's say soccer, I have to get used to that word, <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, I think we have to really make use of the resources here and also of the enthusiasm uh, people have here with soccer. So uh, the clear idea is now for the start that we build a standout um, uh, academy that we really focus on, on local players, uh, not just from the city and the county, but also from the whole state and also from the neighboring states to really find that unpolished talent and, and make them into professional players. That must be the first step. And I always believe if you if you build a house, you have to have a good foundation. And our foundation here must be the youth development. It must be the academy. Um, 2023 is still quite a long way to go. So right now, it would be a completely wrong approach to to talk much about uh, the MLS season 2023. Lots of things can happen until then. And I think right now it's our job to get the first steps right. And that is to have a 
a good coaching uh, build-up, uh, some, some good specialists, and really kind of like focus on the local talent. Lutz Fahnensteel is the sporting director of STL City SC. Lutz, as you build that team through youth, and I'm sure bring in some veteran players, if you had your perfect scenario from a style standpoint, what would your team look like? Well, that's actually a good question, and I think I will have a good answer for that one. Um, you know, um, my last, uh, my second last club was uh, TSG Hoffenheim in Germany, uh, which is, is known to uh, have a similar kind of uh, build-up, where there was lots of focus put into the youth. So I think you can create your style of play through the youth system, and that will be, in my opinion, I would call it a... A very high pressing system, but a very attractive uh, uh, attacking minded football. So, um, uh, like a really modern approach uh, with, with some modern kind of philosophy, uh, lots of attacking, lots of pressing. Uh, so, if you watch the, the way Leipzig was playing with Julian Nagelsmann, uh, a coach which was also together with me in Hoffenheim, that kind of football uh, is in my mind. Of course, that's, uh, you know, I think. Uh, if you try to create a philosophy, you have to think big, you have to dream big. Uh, how in the end it will come out, uh, you can always try your best. But uh, if uh, everything goes right, this would be the, the, the soccer style uh, St. Louis City should stand for. Lutz, our friend Ben Fredrickson from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had a very great profile on you, and you've had such an interesting life. There's so many things that he had in that piece that I want to ask you about, but you're quite the slasher. You have quite uh, a few hats that you wear. You've modeled, you've moonlighted as a techno music DJ, you've helped create an international nonprofit organization. But I want to circle back to the DJ. Did you have a specific DJ name? Well, I mean, you know, I didn't really do it, do it that much. But, uh, yeah, there was like actually an English DJ at the time when I was in, playing in Asia. He was, he was quite uh, the hot guy in the, in, in the clubs. And I was kind of supporting him because I had all this kind of techno music from Germany, which we were always like European techno was like uh, three, four months ahead of the, of the Asian uh, kind of charts. So I was basically the guy with the crystal ball. I knew before what's happening. And uh, so, yeah, he was uh, always very, very nice to me. Took me up there on the stage, and we just enjoyed uh, being there. But I didn't really have a, have a DJ name, so I kind of like was a bit uh, undercover because I was also a professional soccer player at the same time. <laughs> it also mentioned in the piece that you once kept a penguin in your bathtub in New Zealand. Was that a difficult thing to accomplish? <laughs> I would call it more like an accident, you know. Um, I really like animals, so uh, that I think uh, the St. Louis Zoo, uh, I will be the biggest uh, customer there. I will be probably turned up three times a week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I had all kind of uh, exotic uh, pets, um, like uh, monkeys and, and lizards and whatever. And when I, I saw a penguin, I just kind of, like, uh, was really attracted to have one of them as well. But it's not a good pet. I only can tell you, don't do it. Never keep a penguin at home. It's just a very bad choice. Also very bad smell. And um, yeah, I wouldn't do it again. So now I have a brown chocolate Labrador and it's a safer pet than the penguin. Much better. Yeah, I've heard, and you mentioned there, that penguins smell really bad. (laughs) Well, it depends on if you like fish. Uh, You know, it's just, it it smells extremely fishy. So uh, um, I, I mean, I do like to eat fish, but after... 
spending a few hours with that penguin friend of mine I, while I didn't like fish for a while. <laughs> hey, Lutz, I want to go back to the academy because uh, we've had some soccer teams here in St. Louis that uh, when they had success in the stands, it was in part because of the number of St. Louis players that they had. From your perspective, as you make the move to St. Louis, how important will it be for you to have a St. Louis representation among the players? Well, very important. I think uh, that's the, you know, the, the roots, that's the, the bread and butter we have to have. So I think that is the real focus on first. The idea to build academy and the idea also to find the right players will be going step by step. So we're not starting straight away uh, like 100 miles away. The first focus will be directly in the city, directly in the county, really in small circles, and then make that circle slowly but surely bigger and bigger to get more vision over the football in the region. But first, I always say first things first, and that is definitely now St. Louis, the city and the region. There will be lots of talent here. Uh, we just, you know, I really believe we have to give everybody a chance. It will not just be players who are already in a, in a system. Every person, every young player who is talented, who loves soccer, we will have a look at and he will get a chance to show himself. And I think that's the, the, the beauty about having here now an MLS franchise that we really can go for it. We have a little bit of time, so we really... I would say this diversity and inclusion, that is for our, our key words, how we also want to spot and, and, and find talent. And, and coaches too, and you, you mentioned in Ben Fred's piece about how there's a lot of time before you have to, to hire a head coach, but I know general managers and sporting directors, and you've always got that list of dream people. How, how big is that list of, of possible coaches if you, that you would like to have? Is, is it six? Is it 10 people? Is it 15 people? How big is that list of guys that you say, okay, that guy could coach for me? I mean, you know, having having worked that long in, in, in the Bundesliga and obviously I also did lots of TV work, Champions League and stuff. I have, a, I have a big list in my mind, but I didn't write it down yet, who are really great managers. So as, as it's another two and a half years to go, I think uh, realistically uh, you're looking in the middle or to, yeah, in the middle of 2022 to, to, to finalize a head coach for the team. So that gives us basically two years time. I think you have to just really watch the market. You have to be present also. In the States, uh, because I believe we need lots of stuff which have already MLS experience. So I'm very far away from the idea to say we only want to hire German stuff or European stuff. No, not at all. I believe we have to have that local flavor. We have to have people who have a lot of experience in the MLS. It's a different style of soccer. It's a different league. Uh, you don't have that relegation system. So it's also sometimes a different approach how to, how to kind of lead the players. And all that things will be considered when we when we make the final choices about the head coach. But of course, we also have to keep touch uh, with South American football, with African football, and of course with European football. And that's my job as well in the next two years to be to be basically present everywhere, to have a good vision and a good overview over everything. And then uh, we will make together with the ownership hopefully a great choice. Luch, you talked about your approach to develop this homegrown talent here in St. Louis and in the region, but I'm curious about it from a national perspective. What do you think America needs to do to compete consistently as far as the, the talent pool with the international soccer talent? Well, you know, looking over now in the German Bundesliga, we actually have uh, quite a lot of young American players who are really doing well. I mean, Joe Sargent, which, which comes here from, from St. Louis, 
in Bremen have lots of lots of potential. Uh, I was lucky enough to to get Zach Steffen uh, when I was in Düsseldorf on loan, uh, the American international goalkeeper who was brilliant uh, before he got injured. And of course, McKenny in, in Schalke is a player with a big market. So I think there is lots of very good talents. I think we just have to try uh, to to when when the jump comes from being a youth player into the being a senior player. That is sometimes when lots of talents here in the States are getting lost because they don't get the opportunity. I think now with the new approach of the MLS, having that kind of uh, youth development system, having planned the youth leagues, you suddenly will be able to compete at very high level already during also that transition age. And I think it will make it much more easier to keep the talent longer in the States, develop them maybe one or two years longer before they're heading to Europe. And uh, in the end of the day, I think uh, there is so much potential here. There is also uh, an unbelievable amount of great athletes here. I think you just have to try to, 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 to build that all together. And especially, as I said, with the new uh, development system, with the new leagues, which will come sooner or later, uh, that's really the uh, step in the right direction. Lutz, we're so excited to have you here as part of the St. Louis community, as part of St. Louis City SC. Uh, we know it's going to be great, and we appreciate you taking some time. We'll do this uh, quite often. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Lutz. That's Lutz Steele. He is the sporting director for ST St. Louis City SC. What do you think about this, Randy? He mentioned he loves exotic animals. He once kept a penguin in his bathtub. What about the nickname Lutz Exotic? Like Joe Exotic, but Lutz Exotic? That's a great idea. <laughs> I think we can do that. I don't know if he'd like it, but I think we can do it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and thanks to Lutz for joining us here on 101 ESPN. Next up, today's big thing. Are we going to have football this year? And the Cardinals have a decision to make tomorrow. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 905 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hope you enjoyed the interview with St. Louis City FC Sporting Director, St. Louis City SC Sporting Director, uh, Lutz Fonenstiel. And I love the way that the organization is building from the ground up with a youth academy here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Not only do you build players, but you build fans. That's one of the things the Blues have done so well with their involvement with youth hockey in the area is you get young people to know the sport, to learn the sport, to play it as a kid. Hopefully they get good enough to play at the collegiate or pro level. But if they don't, they're interested in enough in the sport that they wind up buying tickets at some point. Yeah, and St. Louis already has such a vibrant youth so- soccer scene. And imagine having a team like SEL City SC as a component of that. It will only expand it. Right. And I like the way that he is going about building the team. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're going to have an exciting style. Apparently, it sounds like the key is going to have a St. Louis flavor. But he also understands the international game. And that's, hey, the reality is, is that in Europe, soccer is better than it is in MLS and in America. So hopefully he can bring some quality here that a lot of teams don't have. We're getting a lot of response about that interview from the text line, Randy. A lot of people really enjoyed hearing him. He seems like such an interesting person. He's a renaissance man. He's (laughs) great. He is, he is. He's great. Michelle, Alabama and Georgia selling football tickets. They're both going to be at 22 to 25% of capacity. 
Do you think it works? We're going to have football. We're going to have mm-hmm. SEC football. There's no doubt about that. And whether or not they can sustain it for the season is another question. But I really wonder with the virus whether or not it's sensible to start with social distanced crowds in Alabama and Georgia and some other places, or if it might be better for those universities just to take the hit for a year without fans in the stands. It would probably be a smarter decision to take the hit without fans in the stands. But if they've already announced that they're going to have a certain percentage capacity at at the stadiums, that's revenue that they're banking on. And with most decisions in college sports, you just follow the money. Right. And what Jerry Jones is doing in Dallas, he's going to fill up his suites. Mm-hmm. He's going to have families and and close friends in all the suites. And there's a massive number of suites at his stadium. And then he'll social distance. They, they say in Dallas that they're planning on selling seats in a social distanced environment. But again, you're in an indoor environment in that dome. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder whether or not from a physical standpoint, that's the the best treatment of your fans. I think a lot of these decision makers, as far as having the fans there, are probably thinking, oh, we'll be, we'll be okay. Nothing bad can happen. Or they're thinking, if something bad happens, not my problem. It's your decision as an adult to get yeah. there. And by the way, at Mizzou, they're planning on 25% of capacity. Jim Sterk saying that Mizzou will reseat Memorial Stadium based on donor rank, both within the premium club spaces like the Tower Tiger Lounge and the Wallsworth Columns and the Show Me Club and the Bunker Club and Grandstand Bowl seats. So fans will be socially distanced with 25% of capacity at Faroe Field in Columbia. So uh, Mizzou, Michelle, is going to outdraw Michigan and Ohio State this year. For the first time ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen, though. (laughs) Anything is possible. I'm just saying. Yeah, if they don't play. Oh, still. Facts are facts, aren't they? Facts are facts, Randy. You're right about that. All right. And then when you look at the Cardinals this weekend, Lane Thomas is coming back, and he's going to get his looks. And Austin Dean isn't far behind him, and the Cardinals do have a limited roster. So what do they do to take care of the roster situation that they'll have. They're going to have a roster surplus. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty clear that they're going to have and play Dylan Carlson here. So do you hedge your bets with Thomas and send him back to Springfield so that he can get more work there? Or do you put him back on the roster immediately? Does Dean go back there? He's already been down there. Uh, or No, he hasn't. He actually started the season up here. I wonder what the Cardinals play is and if it even includes another outfielder when Thomas comes back. Well, specific to Thomas, they have talked at length about how they wanted to get a look at him and that this season was an evaluation season for guys like him. So I would imagine if that's still true in their minds when he's available, they're going to find a way to get him in there and get him those reps. Yeah, they can do that. But maybe Max Schrock goes back to the minors? Yeah. But... The thing about Schrock is that if you're if you're DHing Miller, and well, you're going to have DeYoung back too, right? So you don't need Schrock, but DeYoung replaces Schrock on the roster. Is there a chance that Harrison Bader could be vulnerable to be, being sent to Springfield? 
there's certainly that possibility. But again, the Cardinals have talked about getting him those reps and evaluating him, and they seem to have confidence and belief in him. But the runway is crowded. Somebody's going to have to be vulnerable to not not being here. Right now, you have Bader, Carlson, Fowler, and O'Neal as your outfielders on the roster. Well, you know it's not going to be Fowler. Nope. You know it's probably not going to be Carlson, right? It's going to be O'Neal. Not going to be O'Neal. So, huh. and then among your infielders, you have Carpenter. He's not going anywhere. Edmonds not going anywhere. Goldschmidt, Miller, Schrock, and Wong. And with all of the double headers coming up after the 16-day stretch, maybe you send a pitcher down for the 16 days and then make a move for September because perhaps, well, they want to keep Oviedo up. Maybe Ricardo Sanchez, who's a left-hander and you have a wealth of lefties. Maybe Ricardo Sanchez goes and you put an outfielder in in place of one of the pitchers. It's a possibility. But they do have a tough decision to make. Yeah, they do. When Thomas is ready and Thomas is eligible to come off, he's not necessarily going to be ready. I wonder, I, I would be surprised if they didn't send him out to the alternate camp in Springfield for at least a couple of days of BP. As far as Bader's concerned... I know that if you're ranking the Cardinals outfielders, if they're ranking the Cardinals outfielders, he's certainly not at the top. But if you're sending him down, that's pretty much making a determination on what you think you know about him, right? Well, yeah, and that he needs work. Yeah. Because the other guys are producing, and it goes back to what we were talking about last hour. What's the Cardinal approach right now? Is it develop and get guys better at the major league level, or... Are you trying to get to the playoffs and win this year? And it, if you're just playing your best players, we we both like Harrison Bader a lot, but he's not one of their five best outfielders. Right. Or four, at least. He's If you put him in the, the group right now he and include Thomas in the group, he's your fifth best mm-hmm. of, of five. So if you have to open a roster spot, and maybe you have a pitcher down there, that throws a lot of sliders, slider, 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 slider. Just make him work on that. And with the Cardinals' position, it's really any time in baseball, get into the playoffs, see what happens, but especially this year, right? And I can't imagine with the way that they're positioned now, the way that the schedule looks, the way that they, the division looks, that they wouldn't think that they should go for it. Let me ask one other question of you, because I think you actually have a better insight into this than I do. Harrison Bader has been pretty open about the fact that he is more of a see the ball, hit the ball guy. He's not really a, he's not in tuned with analytics. He's through and through. He's more of an old school guy. He really liked Buddha who simplified the approach. I, I wonder if it might be that he's just not on board with what the Cardinals are selling to their hitters. I think he's probably open and receptive to anything that they ask of him. But if if the information overload was difficult for you in the beginning, I'm I'm assuming these players have adapted to it, especially since they're not getting conflicting philosophies. Mm-hmm. But 
I wonder for some guys, especially younger guys, if that doesn't get in your head when you step in there. Especially a guy like Bader. You already have pressure on you, knowing that you have all of these other guys nipping at your heels, knowing that this is your opportunity to perform. All of those things, and this is just speculation, yeah. all of those things may be weighing on you already as you approach the game. Then you're thinking about all the information presented to you from a, a hitting perspective. It could be a lot. Some guys are just athletes. Yeah. And they, they don't want to present thought into their sports. Some guys are just athletic. And if you go up to the plate, some of the, sometimes the worst thing that you can do is think. Mm-hmm. So maybe the best thing for him to do is just react. Yeah. And I go with what you know. I don't know what they're I do know that they give the hitters a lot of information. I don't know how much he accepts or if he wants to. I don't know if that's a part of this at all. But the bottom line is He's he hit 200 last year and he's hitting 200 this year. That would be something really interesting to kind of peel back the layers on, because the offense last year wasn't great. The Cardinals really doubled down, saying, "Hey, another year. We believe in Jeff Albert. We believe in this approach. Another year with the Cardinals' offense, with with the hitters absorbing what he's saying. We're going to see improvements, and it's certainly better than it was, especially at the end of last year. But it hasn't been." everything that we expected it to be. I know so many crazy circumstances this year, but it would be very interesting to talk to the players and just say, hey, from an approach and a philosophy standpoint, is this working for you? Right. How much of this are you putting into practice when you get up there? And I'm sure as a hitting coach, just the way Mike Schilt manages each player individually, there's a team philosophy, a team culture, Mm -hmm. a team identity, but he, he... very, very effectively manages every person differently. And, yeah. I, and I don't know what it's like from a, a hitting perspective, but I imagine they have one consistent thread of an approach. But I'm sure with every hitter, there's there are certain nuances and adjustments that you make from an individual standpoint. And don't text in. I was just being nice. I know that he's hitting 136. But I know he's not hitting 200, but I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right. We're looking forward to this. It's time for... Killing me, Small. For the last time this week. Michelle, what do you got? The last time this week. Hopefully this is a peak and not a pit, right, Randy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so this was on deck yesterday, but we got talking about the Tom Brenneman situation, which we're going to have an update on here soon. But I wanted to make sure to get this in because it hit the cutting room floor yesterday. You recently tried Cinnamon Toast Crunch for the very first time in your life. Absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. Well, now you can take it a step further, Randy, because Cinnamon Toast Crunch is coming out with a flavored seasoning that you can add to your toast, your popcorn, anything Ooh. that you want. It's called Cinnadust Seasoning Blend. It's going to be sold exclusively at Sam's, Cl- Sam's Club, and it's just in a, a little jar. It looks like any other spice you may have in your cabinet. You can sprinkle it on anything. I love the idea, but I don't love the uh, the vessel to get it to me. Sam's? Yeah. Well, because you don't want to have to buy... 20 of them. <laughs> I canceled my membership right after the Rams left. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. That's part of the Walmart family, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. So this is a problem then. It is. I don't spend any money with them. And there really is no solution. I'll have to write to somebody at for Cinnadust. <laughs> Cinnadust is what it's called? Cinnadust, yeah. Hmm. Which 
So I, I, when I can't sleep at night, I throw on old episodes of Breaking Bad. And doesn't that sound like a drug? Sounds like something, yeah. Yeah, from I got the, some cinnamon dust. Perhaps <laughs> I can get some free so that I don't have to spend any money for it. But I do love the idea of a buttered piece of sourdough toast oh. with the cinnamon dust on it. Oh, yeah. Yum. But the problem there, Randy, is that somebody's giving them money. Even if yeah, you were going to get it on the black market... You're going to get some Cinnadust on the black market. Somebody's spending that money and it's in their pockets for it. This is disappointing. I totally forgot about that connection. I thought you were going to be so hyped because you're on the Cinnamon Toast Crunch train and now I'm just bummed out. Did I ever tell you that on the Saturday after the Rams left here in town, the Costco, at least the one that I go to up at, uh, first of all, unfortunately, it was a Cronky Group property, which kind of (laughs) sucked. But the Costco had a... uh, Shredding machine for Sam's cards. So a lot of people were going in there and shredding their Sam's memberships, canceling their Sam's memberships, and moving to Costco, which I really appreciated about St. Louis. I did too. And now I'm thinking about how difficult that must have been for you to not even be able to escape that, that it was a cronky owned property. Sucked, yeah. Sucked. I don't know if it still is, but you know, he, he's taking his name off everything here in town to trick us, except the people out in Wentzville. He's building something for them. Well, they're building it. He's not really building it. Their tax dollars are building a shopping center for him. Hmm. It's great. I canceled the NFL Network. That was my immediate anger move. I I got rid of DirecTV altogether. Yeah. I was like, well, you know what, NFL? You're not getting my dollars. Forget it. But I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't a member at Sam's. I didn't shred the card. I did everything I could. Then there's some things that you're just kind of, you know, you deal with it. But I did everything I could. And what did you do? I know you donated your gear. Was that in that same time frame? Was that the next day? Oh, a few yeah, that days? was the best. I donated it to uh, homeless veterans in Los Angeles. That's Senator, nice. Hot Shots was sending it out there. That's so I took nice. it into Hot Shots and I had five trash bags full of Rams gear. Five trash bags? Yep, full. Do you have anything Rams gear wise? Oh, I've got a uh, somehow a Rams Charter PSL holder cap survived. <laughs> So I've got that sitting around the house, and I don't know why, but I have to get rid of it. But I do have a video of, and I'll show it to you during the break. Maybe I need to put this on Instagram. Of uh, right after they left, I put one of my Rams caps on the grill, and it's burning. I'll put it on Instagram. Yeah, put it right now. Okay. At, what is it, RJ Character on Instagram? Yes. Okay. Keep your eyes peeled for that content. I am not surprised that you are one of those, just for a lack of a better term, journey bur- jersey burners. Because that if you're ever, if you're ever going to burn a piece of gear when the NFL rips your team out of your city, that's yeah. the time to do it. It was the only thing I burned, but it was fun. I also waterboarded my Rock and Randall. So I had a plastic Rock and Randall. Did you ever see those? They're like plastic dolls that sang the Monday Night Football song. <laughs> and so on the night that uh, I came home from Houston, yeah, I. I took it and I waterboarded it. It was kind of funny. I videoed that. I don't think I have that video anymore. I was going to say, throw that one up there as well. (laughs) It was classic. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, one more note for you out of the food world. There's a new Girl Scout cookie on the block. Ooh. They are called Toast Yays and they're shaped like little tiny French toast and they have icing on one side. Okay, I'll give them a shot. Toast Yays. Good. We have... Multiple people here at work that provide us with the opportunity to buy Girl Scout cookies every year. That is a much appreciated gesture on their part. And I will absolutely give Toastiers a shot. Your favorite Girl Scout cookie is? 
I forget the name because they changed the name, but it's the chocolate one with peanut butter. They come in kind of the orange red box. Are they dosy dos? I don't know. I want to say tag along. Maybe tag alongs. I like Samoas too. Those are really good. Thin mints are generally the, yeah, the, pe- the favorites. Yeah. But you can only eat thin mints if they're in the freezer. That's a great play with thin mints, no doubt about it. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. That is your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN coming up. Getting ready for game six. Blues need a win to stay alive. And to get a win, they need motivation. They need Gloria. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We haven't heard this lately. And the Blues say they wanted to retire it, but we say no. You need the energy. We, you need the motivation. You need the excitement that Gloria provides. Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker are both wearing our Gloria t-shirts today. Michelle is dancing to Laura Branigan's smash hit, at least last year, <laughs> uh, Gloria, because we know it's going to fire the blues up, and we know it's going to fire you up, and you're going to be sitting at home and be really fired up as the blues knock off the Canucks in Game 6 tonight. Listen, we're in an elimination situation, Randy. We need to pull out every possible thing that has worked in the past. And what worked more last year than this? This is awesome. And you know what? I actually was listening to this as I drove in this morning. I cranked it up on my car stereo and listened to Gloria. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard this in a very long time, so I am jamming yeah, right now. a little now. bit more. <laughs> How many of these lyrics do you actually know? <laughs> I don't know. I think it, this is the point where I'm like, sir. Do you guys remember when they played it for 24 hours straight? Yeah, it was Courtney Landrum's That's idea right. next door at the arch. Mul- yeah, she mul- did it. Multiple times I tuned in and I was like, yes. Oh. Yeah, you yes, can't stop. Here you, right once now. you hear it, you can't stop. One of my favorite memories was leaving Enterprise Center after Game 7. They had won. I was still in disbelief. I couldn't believe that it had happened. And I'm walking downtown St. Louis. There's all of these cars on the street. Everyone has their windows down. Everyone is blasting Gloria. They're doing the, the <laughs> Let's Go Blues honk. Everyone Everyone is strangers are hugging, but this will forever be the soundtrack of that memory. It will. And so as if you're driving around today and there's a point in time where you aren't listening to 101 ESPN, and we fully expect that you're going to be listening to 101 ESPN, but if for whatever reason you need to listen to some music, just uh, do that search for Gloria by Laura Branigan on your phone and play it in your car and turn it up real loud at a stoplight so that everybody hears you. And as Michelle said, do the, uh, 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 especially if you have a really loud horn. Michelle's going to be doing the Blues Parade today. I did the Blues Parade on Sunday in St. Charles. You're going to be downtown today? Downtown today. Can't wait. And you'll be probably riding on the Olympia. And that Olympia has a super loud horn. So whenever the driver of the Olympia honks three times, you get to lead the, let's go, Blues, cheer. That I can do. And if you see me... Cheer along with me. <laughs> yeah. So, and you'll, you can learn more about it at uh, stlouisblues.com. But uh, make sure that you get out and see the Blues Parade. Bobby Plager will likely be with you and the Blues crew. It's a lot of fun. You'll enjoy it. I can't wait. Sounds and people awesome. We'll be fired up. And here's another thing that will fire us up is the Blues win tonight and then they win game seven against Vancouver. Mm-hmm. What's the last thing that you want to hear if you're a member of the Vegas Golden Knights about the Blues? What's the last thing you want to hear in this series? Hey, buddy. We're still here. Oh. You want to hear that if you're Vegas? That was 
a shot of adrenaline to the brain, Randy. <laughs> Let's go. And awards or Emmys, but give whoever made that within the Blues organization. Kelly Chase deserves some hardware. Mm-hmm. Everybody involved in that deserves every possible accolade. It was so perfect and so well done. Well, of course it had to be well done because Chaser worked on it for hours on the back of a boat in Cabo. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, they, what a great story he told us on the show. It was the guy in the boat next to him, right, that said, Hey, buddy, how much longer are you going to be here? <laughs> hey, buddy, we get it. <laughs> but I appreciate him putting that much time and effort into practicing it because when he delivered it, boy, did he deliver it. Text 65780 from the 314. I'm in my car, and that gave me chills. It gave me chills. Me I, you can't see Randy and I, but we both immediately yep. sat up a little straighter and we got some energy. But I wonder if you're Craig Berube, if you're the Blues, do you, do you play something like this? You have Charles Glenn singing the anthem. That certainly brought some sort of hometown yep. flavor. But without think about the energy, Randy, that was in Enterprise Center when we would go to those games. I My whole body would be tingling because it was right. just palpable, the excitement and the anxiety and all of that. And I know they have the piped-in crowd noise, and I know these guys are professionals, and they know what's on the line. But you, when you experience something like that, what they experienced last year, where they listened to that before they hit the ice, and then you hear that intro music coming out, and you hear the fans, it's hard to replicate that energy. It's impossible. It's impossible. There, there's absolutely no way. But if you want to get a group of people, and we just got half a dozen texts within a second after playing that. Uh, be right back. Going to go run through a brick wall. That's from <laughs> Kevin. Uh, let's see. Makes me want to check somebody through the end of the boards. So if we, as people who aren't playing, get that fired up, in the seconds before you take the ice, if you're Baruby, you play that chaser video, it'd be incredible. And or you give a speech like you gave before Game 7. You save that. Yeah, it sounds like this. And at the end, it got cut off there, but he says the players' names. with The way he says Benner when he's like, Benner. Yep. If I'm Benner, you better believe I'm giving you the game of my life. Benner, Perry, Sonny. That's what what it was. That was the group that started Biddington and the uh, Pareko Bowmeister pairing, and then the the fourth line started Game 7. But that's... I know you want to save a chief speech, Randy, but we don't have time to save it. This is an elimination game, and he can give more than one speech. But you don't have to go with both, right? You don't have to go with both chaser and chief. I think you, you do whatever you have to do. Because I, I think, Start a new routine. But here, you, you have to save something for a game seven. Now, everybody knows what game seven's all about, but you, you're, gonna, you're planning on playing three more rounds. But yeah, you can give a speech before every game if you're chief. It doesn't have to necessarily be that, but... You you say, hey, we are champions. We mm-hmm. know what it takes. Elimination game, please. This is when we thrive. This is when they get our best. Foot on the gas the entire time. Let's go. So how about this? How about if you use, if Chief uses a speech tonight and for game one against Vegas when they didn't expect that the Blues were still going to be alive, mm-hmm. that's when you use, hey, buddy, we're still here. Game one against Vegas. Okay, I love it. Okay. Hey, guys, I was looking at the socials. Guess who just retweeted us? Who? Lauren Brannigan. Oh, man. She's unbelievable that she's on social media in this day and age. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm surprised I get oh, Wi-Fi up. Yeah, yeah, but I'm glad that she retweeted us. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty good... <laughs> It's probably the best Wi-Fi service you can get. Yeah, I wonder who her carrier is, man. I need to get on that. I can barely get in my living room. Pretty she impressive. Can get it in heaven? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
101, you have to play Chase with Kelly. Jason Brett Hall pregame all day long and also send it to the Blues in Edmonton. I literally, like you, uh, sat up straight, and it was a shot to the brain. That's great to hear. See, that's what we want to do. It was a shot to the brain. Honestly, we need. I need to make that my alarm in the morning, where mm. when that alarm goes off and it's still dark outside, and I can barely get out of bed because of these 9.30 starts, yeah. and I'm so tired. I just need Kelly Chase's voice to say, hey, get up. Yeah. It's we game. get, we get knocked down and we get back up. It's showtime. Be great. And uh, here's one from the 314. You're going to make me crash. <laughs> Sorry, our bad. <laughs> we enjoyed it. So let's go, Blues. Again, don't. And I know that we just provided you with an incredible shot of adrenaline. Yeah. Sorry. Don't peak too soon. Don't peak too soon. That's the thing. Okay. Uh, get all misty eyed at about 8 30. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. These guys, they can. You can get them up right now and later. This team, Randy, they are resilient. They know what it takes. They know what they need to do to go out there and win tonight. So you can give them a speech right before they hit the ice. You could give it to them before they leave the hotel. It doesn't matter. They have it within them to go out there and dominate this hockey team. We know what they're capable of. We've seen it. We've seen it. It doesn't matter if Vladimir Tarasenko's not there. It doesn't really matter who's between the pipes. Sometimes it does, but I'm just saying this for speech to say. They are champions, and they need to go out there tonight and show the Vancouver Canucks what champions look like. See, you just gave the speech. Thank you. Uh, By the way... Uh, the burning ram's hat is now on Instagram. Michelle insisted that we put that out there on the gram. <laughs> so there it is for you. It's giving content to the people, Randy. That's what we want, content. All right. Happened a long time ago. Some people will say, get over it. I say, well, it's in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the cloud. can't go anywhere. <laughs> also, we are pretty much over it. You want to know why? Yeah. Who? We, the only blue and yellow we acknowledge are the blues. You're right. How many championships have the uh, Rams won since they left? Uh, Randy. How many have the Blues won? One. And how many is it going to be after this year? Two. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. Coming up, Danny (laughs) Mac and Scoops with Danny Mac. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up here on 101 ESPN on the heels of the Cardinals' dramatic 5-4 victory last night over the Reds. And a lot of good things coming out of that game, Dan, not the least of which is that the Cardinals got a win, but they got Yadier Molina back. I didn't see that coming. I didn't either. The win. (laughs) Didn't see Yadier coming. I didn't see the win. And first of all, kudos to the amazing Adam Wainwright, who sat down the last 15 that he faced. But, yeah, the the offense, especially against Iglesias, I didn't expect them to pop up for three in the ninth. I didn't either, and apparently he he's he's had some rough outings. I mean, he's getting the job done. I, I thought David Bell, I don't know if you agree with this, I brought it up on the broadcast, with the lefties coming up, you could have turned around Fowler. He was due up third. Then you had Miller due up first. I, I, Amir Garrett made Carpenter mm-hmm. not look foolish, but he carved him up. I mean, he's got nasty stuff. I thought you stick with a Garrett, uh, Amir Garrett in that spot. But if you're going to go with your closer, and he's your closer, you give him the, the clean inning to start with, hindsight being 2020, but I did bring it up in the, right at the beginning. I thought, yeah. man, maybe you just go with your lefty here, and it might be your best shot to win. He didn't. He went with his closer, and the Cardinals win the game. Yeah, with where baseball is now, it's about leverage situations. And 
I, I'm with you with the lefty-righty matchup situation, especially knowing the Cardinal hitters as we do. It would have seemed smart to have Iglesias ready if Garrett got in trouble, but start the inning with Garrett because of the matchups. And Garrett, by the way, is really good against right-handers, too. Yeah. So it wasn't... And a Cardinal killer. Exactly. And... um so you like him against lefties, but he's he's pretty darn good against right-handed pitching too. So I, not that I was surprised, but I think he could have gone either way. But he went with his closer and he got burned, and it's a really good win for the Cardinals. And I'll be honest, Randy, I, I'm I don't know if I'm shocked, but I'm really pleasantly surprised with how they've come out of this 17-day layoff. I, I just didn't anticipate this. I, I thought the Cardinals would get beat up a little bit, and to no fault of their own, it just. A 17-day layoff is a 17-day layoff against teams that are playing Major League Baseball. It just is what it is. And the early innings last night notwithstanding, the, the cleanliness of the baseball, the crispness crispness of the, the Cardinal play has impressed me. Because that's ultimately the way the Cardinals are going to win is that they're going... Even last night when they made mistakes, why did Cincinnati lose the game? Because they made mistakes. That's how you win these days in baseball is allow the other team to beat themselves. Cardinals did not commit an error in Chicago. Amazing. And that was pretty shocking. Um, I think what we saw was that, at least in my mind, when the relievers hit 25 pitches in Chicago is when they ran out of gas. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to happen. And you, you, let's just face it, they're, they're using some guys that probably should be in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. So what's the difference between minor league guys and major league guys? Minor league guys swing at some of those pitches that might be out of the zone. Major league guys don't. So you pick a little bit that you can get away with it in the minor leagues. Major league guys spit on some of those pitches, mm-hmm. and then they wait till you're in the zone, and then you get hit. Um, but I'll go back to this. We are fortunate in St. Louis, and this has just really reinforced it to me, and maybe I've taken it for granted. Matter of fact, I probably have taken it for granted, even though I'd say not to take it for granted. But myself, I probably have, is Wayno and <laughs> Molina. Um, I'll start with Wayno. I thought, I, I said it to you yesterday, I, I thought his game on Saturday after 17 days and then being in a a hotel room and then watching him on Instagram or whatever it was Twitter playing catch long toss into a net and then giving you five was one of his great performances of his career because that was to setting a tone well and, it, but this is reality that was the first day of spring training in a way and he threw five innings on the first against a major league team on the first day of spring training and a good lineup yep really good lineup middle of that lineup is like a murderer's row kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're really good. Abreu and Jimenez and some of the others that they had, Luis Robert, I mean, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, and you needed a big, you needed a guy to kind of set a tone, you know, hey, we're back, we're excited, we, we just need a, a good start. Mm-hmm. And we need innings, really. I mean, the reality was they needed some innings with all the games and the innings that they had to fill. And then last night, you had the two errors. Um, you're down 2 nothing. Then you give up a home run to Galvis. You're down 3 nothing, And he found something. And he sets down 15 in a row. Mm-hmm. And he gives you a, a great performance. Um, and then Yachty. Yachty hadn't played in a major league game in 22 days. Didn't go down for a rehab assignment. Did see some live pitching, as Ricky talked about on the broadcast. They had Libertor up and others mm-hmm. to throw to him, which is fine. But it's not a live game. And uh, and takes a, serves a ball into right and picks up two runs batted in gets another one later drives in three and um, I thought his game calling was 
sensational. And I'll give you an example. Like the day before, Gallegos on an 0-2 pitch went with a fastball, right? And got burned. Right. I, I didn't like that that call. I mean, to me, you bury a, a breaking ball. That's his mm-hmm. bread and butter, right? And if he puts one in the dirt, you, you feel comfortable the Yachty's going to block it. Right. Where last night, you know, Reyes is <clears throat> struggling with his breaking ball constantly. And what's Yachty doing? Calling for it constantly because you feel comfortable that he's going to block it. And um, so you, you <clears throat> and even with Elledge, you, you, he was calling for constantly breaking ball because you feel that he's going to block it even with runners on. So things that don't show up in a on a in the scores book, um, he just is just amazing at, at little things that he does. And he got on the same page with Wayno and understanding that when Suarez is at the plate, and I pointed it out early, I, I watched the first at bat. They went away, away, away. What'd they do the rest of the game with him? A guy that had forty plus home runs last year, away, away, away. Yep. They kept him. He was he's dangerous. Um, he just is amazing at little things that he's able to do and uh, to see him back. And I, I just, he's your leader, you know, he's, he's a warrior back there and he, we, we are watching greatness and, and, and enjoy him. It's not yeah. going to be forever. It seems like it is. And I, I also said, if you're a Reds fan and you're watching this and you're watching Wayno and Yachty do your thing, I said, if, at least if I was a Reds fan, I'd be going, are these guys ever going to retire? I mean, seriously, right. when are they done? Come on. Yeah, because right. they, they, they're still doing it at a high level. It's not just, you know, this is the victory lap. They're still competing at a high level and winning games. And competing is the operative word because that's something that permeates throughout a clubhouse. A lot of times Agreed. guys show up and they say, well, I'm on the Cardinals, and they haven't had a losing season since 2007, 2008, I guess. Uh, and... Because I'm a member of the Cardinals, we're going to win. But that work ethic and the desire to compete is something that everybody else looks to and says, well, if those guys are doing it at 38, that's something that I have to do too. Randy, one of the things I'm seeing, and I don't know, I know you watch a lot of baseball, um, normal season, not a normal season like this year. I've been watching a lot of games. Um, I'm seeing on other teams, at least this is my viewpoint, that some veterans – it almost looks like we're going through the motions. I don't want to get hurt, and I want to make sure that I'm I'm participating. Maybe get my money. Don't get hurt. Look forward to 2021. Uh, that's my viewpoint. I'm totally seeing that. Okay. What I'm seeing with Yadier Molina is that at least last night and the games before that, hey, I'm I'm competing. Adam Wainwright is competing. I mean, I, I'm seeing guys busting it. One thing the Cardinals I appreciate that. have, and the Dodgers have this too with a, a group of players. Cardinals have a multitude of gamers. They do. Marp wants to get out there and play. Colton Wong wants to get out there and play. Yachty, Wayno, Flaherty, Dexter. Those guys, they, they love playing the game, and they love competing at, at their core. That's why everybody makes it to the majors, because inherently they're really competitive. But a lot of guys lose that once they get their money or reach the, the goal of making it to the majors. These guys haven't lost that desire to get out there and compete. No, and uh, I thought Jim Hayes had a really interesting... Um, report about Colton Wong where he said he thought about opting out yep. because of his situation health-wise and who gets the game-winning hit. Colton Wong, who makes a great play on Rizzo the other day at Wrigley Field. Colton Wong, yep. who's really generating something at the top of the lineup. Colton Wong. You know, it, I give these guys credit, man. At the end of the day, he's a guy that just he can't say no to baseball. Well, this would be a really easy situation in my mind if I'm a player to me, it would be. It's human nature for these guys 
to really just kind of throw in the cards with everything that they've had to go through. I mean, the 17-day layoff, the the constant testing to be locked in hotel rooms, just to kind of come back and throw it, to be, go through the motions. Yep. And they're not. They're hanging around. So now start thinking about the baseball aspect of this. They've gotten through a really tough portion of the schedule to start on the road, all the doubleheaders. They got through it. And now you're going to get back to what would be feeling like a normal part of the schedule. Mm-hmm. We're just You're just playing one game. Now, September's going to be really tough yeah. with those doubleheaders. But I think it's going to be easier to deal with because you're going to have certain guys stretched out. So you're going to be able to have your starters go a little bit deeper. You're going to have Oviedo. You're going to have Gomber to back you up. Maybe Ponce if he's not in the rotation, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Ponce or Martinez. That's another guy. So it, it should be able, at least on paper, <clears throat> to be handled a little bit easier. I, I say that. We'll, we'll see. But it seems like it would be a little bit easier to handle. Maybe. Here's the other thing, and you mentioned everything that they've been through, and that is before we even talk about the the fact that there aren't fans in the stands. And to me, I could see as a broadcaster, you really have to work at making the broadcast great without the energy of the fans. I can't imagine what it must be like for players who feed off that energy. And Cardinal players always have talked about going into Pittsburgh when they don't draw, or Florida or Miami when they don't draw, and they have to build their own energy. So to do that in every ballpark every night is another part of being a competitor that really is probably for some players tough to do. I was thinking last night there was a couple of times where at a home game in a normal season, for instance, when Wainwright got the 15th batter, you would have heard of huge yeah. ovation. Um, and I think it was with either Reyes or Elledge, maybe both, you would have heard a huge ovation. Obviously, with the walk-off, it would have been a huge mm-hmm. ovation. So we do miss that. But I guess as a player, you compete, you look at the other jersey, you look at the other players on the other team, and that's where you get it from. I, I thought Jim Edmonds made an interesting point, and I did see this during the summer camp. He said it would have been really tough to play against your own teammates. Mm-hmm. He said you, you, you can generate some type of energy because you're trying to get ready for the season. you got to get ready somehow, mm-hmm. some way. He said, but if you're not playing against somebody else, it's pretty tough. That, that He said that gets old. It, it, it's just hard to generate some type of excitement. Yeah. But I, I'll say this, and somebody told me this uh, that, was, that evaluates players. He said the numbers count. And so you start yeah. thinking about when you got to make money and you're trying to dig for a contract or whatever you're doing – Numbers count. Yeah. So at the end of the day, they do. The numbers count. And if you don't have a guaranteed contract or you're trying to get that money, better compete. What's coming up in scoops? Mark Saxon, Alex Ferrario. So we'll talk uh, baseball. We'll talk hockey and um, lead you towards ribs and BK. Looking forward to the second game of the Cardinal Series tonight. And, of course, the sixth game of the Blues Series against Vancouver. Hashtag LGB. What do you think? Think seventh they, game? I, I, yeah, I think we have a game seven. You think so? And then I feel really good about a game seven because of the Blues pedigree. You got to go to Bennington tonight? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm Bennington tonight. Yeah. Any other lineup changes? Uh, Steen's not playing. I I'd lo- I think I'd like to get Gunner back in there. Okay. So, But that's about it. All we right. We got Barbie back. I think we're in pretty good shape. All right. All right. You got your Play Gloria shirt on. Yes, you're, you're ready. It, it was Gloria Day here on Karakur and Smallman. Okay, By the way, good. Michelle had to leave. She's in charge of, not in charge of, she's the hype girl for the yeah, Blues. Don't just think we didn't talk to her. Right. Yeah. She left early because she's uh, got the Blues Stanley Cup game day parade in downtown St. Louis. So if you see her out, come and wave at the Olympia. 
Are you guys throwing shirts and stuff or what? Uh, the Blues Crew does. Okay, good. Yeah, so All I'm right. not there. I did Sunday's parade. It was do you, good. What do you have on the grill this weekend? I know you're grilling. I have not purchased anything yet. I'm going to have to make my way over to Schnooks. Yeah. Maybe I'll get some uh, some really nice lean chuck to make some burgers. I think you got to go uh, ribs personally, but that's, I'm just saying. Ribs are a process. They're not an event. You of course to, they are. You have to plan for ribs. It's well, you got to plan a, game seven ribs. Game seven. There we go. I'm just saying. I'll work on it. Okay, buddy. Thanks, Dan. Have a great weekend. You too, bud. That's Danny Mac. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up. Thanks to our producer engineer, Scott Manziara. Have a good weekend, Randy. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for Michelle and Scotty and I until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.